And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Saddle for battle, folks. It's Hagman and Hagman coming at you. Coming right into your living room, your kitchen, your dining room, your car. HagmanReport.com for news, information, and analysis. Hagman and Hagman.com for uh, show information. Choose your venue there. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Eric's looking at me like, I seem to recall something in my early childhood about that. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Yeah, uh, Hillary Clinton had to be propped up by, uh, by, by a man, uh, so she wouldn't fall over while making a campaign speech. This, uh, big news. Big news. Of course, there's something wrong. We're being set up. Can you, if you can't feel the fact that we're being set up, if you can't feel that there's something wrong, with the mainstream media, with the official narrative. If you can't feel that it's all wrong, it's all wrong, then you're not paying attention. It's all wrong. Welcome to this broadcast. This broadcast today, I'm Doug Hagman. With me is Joe Hagman, my son, fellow investigative researcher. Something I like to call the Hagman and Hagman Report to investigators and search for answers and we're getting them we're getting them and uh it's a process isn't it it's a process to search for answers and there are people that constantly want to talk politics there are people that constantly want to talk mega conspiracies there's people that want to constantly want to talk about minor conspiracies there's people that constantly want to take others down and there's people that just want to simply spread the spread the truth and spread the word Hopefully we fall into the ladder and um, give you much more information leaving as you came in the door with. I want to thank each and every one of you for joining us tonight on this broadcast. We have a very great show for you lined up. I'm going to kick it to Joe at this point. But don't forget, you probably thought I was going to say, help, I fall and I can't get up. Man, now that's mean. <laughs> Yakety yak. Uh, I, I still, I, you know, I, I don't know where that came from, but, um, got, got a great, great, great image along with some lyrics from that song. And, and you know, it, it, talking about chimeras and such, um, it fits. It all fits, doesn't it? Anyway, weebles wobble, but they don't fold down, especially if they're propped up by, body people I guess I guess if you can afford to have somebody uh, you know, holding you up while you're giving a speech um, no, the man that's holding, Saudi Arabian yeah, money yeah. I sure can yeah sure sure uh, now we, we have a great great show lined up for you tonight don't forget folks we were on uh, last week we were on uh, the coming apocalypse uh, channel 367 direct TV uh, w8 uh, well uh, 
Uh, you know what? I can't remember the call letters. But anyway, uh, we're going to be on again this week, uh, this Friday, 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Channel 367, Direct TV. Go, go to Paul Begley Prophecy or the Coming Apocalypse, and uh, you can search out the station and, and the uh, the venues. You can get it if you're in if you're within well if you get TV I, I think you can get it so anyway let's uh great show for you tonight Let Joe yeah, we do have a, a great show lined up um, Greg Jackson is our guest and we're going to talk about an interesting topic tonight the weaponization of words and um, there's an article you can find on gregjackson.com that's G-R-E-G-G gregjackson.com <clears throat> common words phrases and terms the left has twisted and distorted that christians and conservatives should never use and i like the the way this article is written it starts out with a verse from proverbs chapter 12 verse 6 the words of ungodly men are crafty but the mouth of the upright shall deliver them there are several references to language and the use of words in the bible from our own personal use of words to how um uh, Words and language will be twisted to be uh, and distorted, used for the purposes of evil. And we, Greg, has laid out uh, twelve uh, different terms and words is that, words that we use that we need to think about changing. And we have a few of our own. Greg, it's great to have you back on the program. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it as always. I love the new format, the new studio, and I love both of your suits and ties. Good, uh, good, good tie selection, both of you, this evening. <laughs> wow, you can see, you can see us. Huh? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, Greg. Um, over here at the Hagman and Hagman Studio, yes, I think we're running on a combined maybe uh, eight hours of sleep for all three of us. We had some of the worst storms in in years come through last night and flooding, and um, it was pretty bad. But yeah. we're uh, rocking and rolling and ready to go. But 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 see, we're gonna just we're gonna nap. What we're gonna do is we're gonna we're put a static graphic up and nap, and, and and just talk louder when you when you want us to respond. I'm just, we're just kidding, of course. You, you know, th- th- no thanks. Pur- no purple sticks for you guys tonight. Oh oh oh, of course, always. The the nap okay. was just a a uh, it was just a uh, well actually. I'm just I'm kidding I'm kidding. Uh, you know, when we talk about stuff like this, Greg, and this is an important topic, I really I don't want to make any any jokes about this. This is really an important topic because, you know, we have we have grown, and I I have um, folks go to Greg Jackson, Greg Two G's at the end of Greg, okay, Greg Two G's Jackson dot com. Check his check this article out the language that we're using today is programming us as well as our our children and their children you know we say things like homosexual marriage what is that we say things like um well i mean you've given a list i'm not going to spoil it for those um for you or for those go to greatjackson.com and take a look at, at the list but we we've become we've become uh we have become, what would you say, Greg, affected adversely by the language, by the phrases, by the terms that we've been that we've been compelled to use, this political correctness run amok. And frankly, I resent that. Yeah. I really do. I, I, you know, I do. So I'm going to turn you loose because, man, you've got some good stuff. So let's uh, let's rock. 
Yeah, well, obviously, uh, it's always an honor to come on and redeem the time with you guys. And I just pray that the Lord would uh, would bless this show and that uh, we would get out of the way. And if there's any real truth that the audience can benefit from, I pray that it would come from the Lord and that we would just be uh, vessels to, uh, you know, that uh, we would be able to communicate and convey those things uh, to to the audience for everybody's edification and ultimately so that we can be encouraged and we can better endure because really that's what your program is all about. It always has been. It always will be. It is, uh, you know, being the cheering section for the saints that they would be encouraged and edified and uplifted and educated and to have a proper, uh, better understanding of the times in which we're living in. And then for obviously the secondarily for those who are not part of the family of God, for those who have not been born again, repented of their sins, received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, uh, that uh, they would do so. Because um, that's really the only way, that's the first step and, and really the most important step in understanding the times in which we're living in. Because you can't have God's discernment um, w- without the Holy Spirit re- residing in you. That's not to say that you can't be discerning without being a Christian. You, of course, there's general revelation that's given to everyone. Uh, but by, my, my hope is that tonight when we go through some of these words, we'll understand that we can, uh, you know, Doug, you always talk about, um, you know, saddling for battle, um, being getting off our seats, engaging, that Christianity is not fatalism, that's not a spectator sport, that we were called for such a time as this to be in the game. Coach Dave talks about it. Paul McGuire talks about it. And and I agree that although we're not going to change end times prophecy, we're not going to change God's time clock, we were called to endure. And endurance is an active, participatory uh, um uh, you know, verb. It is a uh, or action. Excuse me. And that's what I want to talk about tonight because there's there's a number of ways that we can endure, redeem the time well, and to be uh, on fire for the Lord and to be part of the Great Commission and to be doing things that are pleasing to God. And one of those things, you know, obviously we can prepare for our families, we can defend our families, we can defend sound doctrine, we can share the gospel, we can encourage others. There are a number of things that we can do with whatever platform God has given us to be uh, effective disciples of Jesus and effective workmen uh, in, in, in the harvest fields, as it, as it were. But one of those things that's been on my heart, and the reason we talked a couple weeks ago about doing the show, Doug, is that, you know, my grandfather, the late, great Vic Markin, who uh, had a deathbed conversion, which, praise God, hallelujah, um, you know, just not to get too, too sidetracked here, but I think it's important context. He was like old America, Joe and Doug. He was the way it used to be when immigrants came to this country, first and foremost, they wanted to wear that la- la- that flag lapel pin. The proudest day, the moment of his, uh, you know, of his generation. His parents, when they came over from Russia, they were Russian Jews. Was when they became naturalized citizens. They, you know, they had a test that was given to them. Came through Ellis Island. Um, my grandfather's father, my great grandfather, died when my grandfather, I believe, 
was about eight years old. And my grandfather, who grew up in Chicago, Illinois, then became the man of the house. His mother told him, you are now the man of the house. Go out and earn a living. And he did. He sold good humor bars, literally on, on the corner near Wrigley Field in Chicago. And that's how they, they bought enough bread during the Depression to survive. And he supported his mother and his sisters. And during that time, my grandfather had an amazing drive and motivation that I believe was just inherent. It was passed down. You know, we Jews have, we, we, we have to be survivors. We're nomadic. We're, we're peripatetic. We're, we've always been, that's a fancy word for, for wanderers, uh, ever since the, the dispersion, the diaspora. And, you know, we, we've all, always been resourceful because we've had to be to protect ourselves and, and to, 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 to find, uh, work and, and, and ways to earn a living in foreign lands. And that's what my grandfather did. And not only did he help support, can you imagine eight, eight, nine years old out there selling good humor bars and delivering newspapers and whatever he needed to do to buy day old bread, uh, for his family. But he also taught himself Latin and he was fluent in Latin and Greek by the time he was 16 years old. And that's always inspired me. He was a logo file. And he, he was the one who inspired me to have a fondness, an affinity to, to words, to use the precise word, the correct word. And I know that that's, that's tough to, 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 you know, because sometimes when you use a, a big word, a quote-unquote big word, people accuse you of, oh, what are you trying to show off? What are you trying to be, uh, you know, a pedantic? You're trying, to, you're trying to be a show-off? But in actuality, my grandfather taught me was that the key to getting ahead in life, one of the major keys was being able to communicate effectively and efficiently both orally and on paper. And he instilled in me a love of words. I studied the dictionary. I know this is going to sound weird to, to your listeners here, but I literally studied the dictionary, as my whole family will attest to, in preparation for the SATs, but mostly in preparation because I wanted to please my grandfather. And I, when I went to their house for spring break, I wanted to play Scrabble with my grandfather and beat him. I could never do it because every word was a bingo for him. That's a seven-letter word. 50-point uh, bonus. But the long and short of it was that he learned Latin and Greek by the time he was 16. He put himself, he went through college on his own. He joined the Merchant Marines. He served his country. And then he started, Joe and Doug, his first job in Chicago, Illinois, He sweeping the floors at a, at a women's clothing and apparel store in Chicago called Joseph's. And he learned the business of women's the shoe business and apparel business, literally working in the basement and sweeping the floors. And about 20 years later, he became president of Joseph's and opened the store in Beverly Hills. He, he often joked about writing a book called, called From the Basement to the Boardroom. And I, and I wish he had, had written that, that book. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? And I said, Grant, you should write that book. But he never got around to writing the book. But From the Basement to the Boardroom. And he credited much of that. Now, looking back on it, I know that God was with him. And uh, it's really a shame that, that, that he had that deathbed conversion and never really realized the abundant life, the born-again life of re receiving the Jewish Messiah earlier in his life. But, you know, God's got different time plans. And, you know, the, the good news is he received Messiah Yeshua, Jesus, before he died. I'm convinced that he's in heaven, and I can't wait to be reunited with him and my grandmother Rose uh, when, when, when I leave this earth. 
And so the long and short of it was that he instilled that love of words and he attributed much of his success. He said the reason he got the president's job was because of a letter that he wrote to the president, the then president of the company. And, and, and he got his first sales job because of a very well-worded letter to the president of the company. He was so impressed. He took him out of the basement and made him a salesman. And he became one of the one of the most uh, decorated salesmen in you know in the women's shoe business, um, and so he was really an inspiration to me, Joe and Doug, and really inspired me to write my first book, Conservative Comebacks to Liberal Lies. It took me five years to write, and all of those. I mean, you know, Doug, what it takes to write a book. You're a phenomenal writer. You're one of the best writers I know, and that's not false flattery. People should read your most recent article that I read. I was blown away. And I, and I know you guys have it on Hagman and, and Hagman, but you know as well as I do that to, to write a, an article properly, you've got to get prayed up, and it, it's a process, and it's laborious to get every word correct and getting feedback from others and, and really and, – and, and to write a you know 380-page book with 35 pages of footnotes is a gargantuan task. And I credit my getting through writing that book largely – uh, with the foundation that my grandfather, Vic, the late great Vic Markin, set for me. So, I want, you know, this show really, for me, and, and the time that we're talking about words, I really got to give credit where credit is due. He was a great influence in my life. And, Vic, if you're listening in heaven, thank you for doing the hard work of instilling uh, a love of words. And, and really what I found out, Doug, is that it goes even much deeper than writing well-worded letters and getting ahead in the world. But really, as, as a Christian, as a born-again Christian who received Jesus in 2001, people who have heard the show before know I'm a Jewish believer, came to faith in 2001 right before 9-11, and really changed my life. God gave me a new heart with new, uh, with new desires. He replaced the old desires, the old earthly desires. And of course, I'm a work in progress, like we all are. I'm not perfect by any stretch, but he, he's, he's really um, given me He's, he's given me new friends that, such as yourselves that I never would have met had I, you know, had, had I not given my life over to him. And what I'm realizing, we can get to this later, Joe and Doug, is because it's something that I want to share with your audience that the Lord has really been showing me, is that the more we give away of our lives, the more he pours into us. The more we become foot washers, like Jesus was of the disciples, the more he can uh, can really open up uh, uh, opportunities that we never would have been able to do on our own. And I know you guys know what I'm talking about, uh, because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And I'm not talking about, you know, just, oh, you know, I'm just a humble Christian. And But I'm talking about really giving away all of your hopes and dreams to the Lord and letting Him open up the doors of opportunity. And you know, one of the things that, that um, he's given me increased understanding of is the power of words. And Joe and Doug, you guys talk about all the time. I know jokingly, Doug, you have the wiffle ball bat still. You still have that bat? You've got the Nerf you bat. Yes, Doug we with? do. Oh, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and hit it? You have it there with you? Why don't you go ahead and hit it? Yeah, well, actually, it's, it's out of reach. Thankfully, it's out of reach. But uh, Well, maybe Eric can give it to you. If he's a, and we but, got a new desk for Nice space is, what? is here. Oh, yeah. He's not too close. <laughs> but Sorry. Doug, you know, you know the importance of the of of words, and and ultimately, right. Jesus said, "I am the truth, the way, and the life." He was, he is the Word incarnate. Jesus is. He's the Logos, 
logos meaning logic, he holds all things together. And it's through him that all of creation and by him all of creation was made. The firstborn of all creation. Of course, we know that Jesus was eternally existing with the Father from before time, even outside of time. But we know that Jesus himself is the logos, the logic. And to the extent that we've kicked Jesus out of America is literally to the extent that we have lost the ability to think logically and to speak and, and think and analyze rationally and logically. And really is the foundation of most of the problems that we face in America. That's, we've, we've essentially replaced the Logos with the Tower of Babel. And now we have a confused society and culture. But one of the things that the Bible has a lot to say is our manner of speech and the words that we use. And, yes. you know, I, I, you know, it really goes back. If, if we go back, guys, right to the very beginning, and then we can get into the article with the Dirty Dozen. Of course, it's a list of words that Christian Christians, including myself and all of us, either unwittingly or, you know, sometimes intentionally, and we know it, and we just, ah, we, we use the words unwittingly, and, and unfortunately, we perpetuate negative stereotypes, which are unbiblical. And I want to get into a few of those, because I think that if we choose our words more appropriately, it will enable us to endure, to be better witnesses to others, to think more clearly and more rationally, to, be, to, 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 defend, to defend sound doctrine more coherently. And these are all the things that we strive to do, Right. We want to be less confused because we know that God has not given us a spirit of confusion, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But we also know that it's a participatory act, and we have to be diligent, and we have to really give a lot of thought to when we speak, when we shut up, which words to use, which words not to use, because the words we choose to use in large part will determine the type of society that we live in, the posterity that we you know, pass the society down to what, what that will look like to our posterity. The pos- you know, the, the, the civilization and the, and the culture and the society that our kids are going to have to inherit largely will be determined by the words that we use. And people are thinking, oh, Greg, you're, you're, now you're, this guy's going to be like the word Nazi for the next, you know, hour and a half. But the truth is that stick with us for the, for the next, you know, 90 minutes, because I believe that if your listeners, Joe and Doug, and, and I know that it's, you know, a significant audience, you know, into the millions, that what if, and this is a challenge that I want to put out there, let's redeem the time. Let's all, you know, uh, really be engaged in the next 90 minutes. If you have to, you can go to your website or my website with the article that, that I've listed, these the dirty dozen, the 12 most common terms and phrases and words that Christians often misuse, um, that, the, that the liberals are, are, who have controlled our, our language and have redefined words ha, have, have essentially redefined the culture as a result. But my challenge is that if we can change the words that we use, we can become better witnesses. We can be, be, be better at defending sound doctrine. We can be better soul winners. We can be better in the quote-unquote culture war to the extent that that war has not already been lost. But I think that we always keep fighting, and we never yes. uh, surrender 
because the words are really the foundation of the argument. And one of the things that you always say, Doug, as an example to Joe is, you know, it it might seem picayune, nugatory. These are fancy words for uh, words that are that are unimportant, trivial. But you always say, don't refer to President Obama as President Obama. And I agree with you, Doug. Why? Well, because if we all agree that President Obama has usurped the office, and I think any rational person who has seen the evidence that Dr. Jerome Corsi and others have presented and looked at that has been out there for eight years, we can rationally conclude that Barack Obama, by the way, his name is Barry Satoro, so even using the term Barack Obama is a mistake. And that's on an alternative list that we can discuss later on. But we should, we should, I think, refer to him as the usurper-in-chief, or as, just plainly as Barry Satoro, the, you know, the, the fake president, the usurper-in-chief. But why would we want to refer to him as President Obama when we've all agreed that he's not the president? Why isn't he the president? Well, we know that the guy has not uh, produced a legitimate birth certificate. What he produced right. on the on the White House website is a joke. It's 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 a it, it would be laughable if it wasn't so sad. But that's just one example. What if a million Hagman and Hagman listeners referred to instead of saying President Obama said our fake president? And and well, Greg, what are you saying? You want me to go out there and be contentious and start fights? No, I want you to be. I, I don't want you to surrender the argument. Because if Barack Obama is not really the President of the United States, then any laws that he signed into law are legally null and void on their very face. Prima facie, legally null and void as a matter of, of, of law, of, of common law. And so my, my goal in going through these is to sharp, let's sharpen one another. Come, let us reason together, the prophet right. Isaiah says. Why? So that we can use the proper terminology so that we can have a better foundation so that hopefully we can bring others into the light. And I know, Joe and Doug, that one of the main things that you guys, that is burning in your heart, the reason you guys get up and put as many hours as you do into the Hagman and Hagman report is that you want to awaken others to the lateness of the hour. To we do. Those who are we on do. The, on the red oh, hold that, hold, hold that, hold it right there, brother. Hold it right there, uh, because of the latency of the hour, lateness of the time for this segment. Just hold on. Greg Jackson is our guest. Greg Jackson. And we'll be right back. You stay right where you're at. Greg Jackson's our guest. Greg Jackson, G-R-E-G-G, Jackson.com. He's our guest tonight right here on the Hagman and Hagman Report talking about, well, words mean things. You know, we could talk all day long about uh, Hillary being propped up. Uh, we could talk about Donald Trump, the accusations of his, oh, my goodness, talking about the Second Amendment. We could talk all day long about the elections. And, and 
you can get that anywhere, and we do talk about that because it's important. But what's really important is that we change the way we talk. And and this has been really on my mind for a long time. Greg Jackson has really stepped up to the plate. He's written a good uh, dirty dozen list of uh, of items that, uh, well, when you think about it, um, are important. Are important for us as Christians, as conservatives, moral uh, Christian conservatives, to, to really understand. Greg Jackson's our guest, coming right back here. He's the author of Forty Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die, of course. Amazon, gregjackson.com. Grab that book. It's a, it's a fantastic book. Um, Greg himself, a very gifted writer. I, I will say that. You know, um, he mentioned word Nazis right before, or d- during his, uh, during his time. And, uh, we, you know, not wanting to be a word Nazis. I'll tell you who the word Nazis are. The word Nazis are the communist progressives out there who are, uh, who, who are bowing at the altar of political correctness. Uh, radical Islam, for example, always using a modifier before a cult. Really? Is that really necessary? That's just one example. Of course, we're going to get into many more. Greg Jackson, welcome back, sir. The floor is yours. Well, it's good to be back, uh, Doug. I appreciate the kind words. And, you know, I will say that, you know, for anybody who says or is thinking about why, why is this show important? Why is it important? what Greg and, and Joe and Doug are talking about and how we choose our words. And I'm going to go over the dirty dozen list right after I make this quick comment, and then we can go to some ones that didn't make the list and have some fun with it, because uh, uh, certainly we can have fun with this as well. But my, my main point is that, look, George or- Orwell wrote in 1984, what did he call the, the, distor- the intentional distortion of words? He called it newspeak. And, folks, those, that's the day in which we're living right now. We're, with the, the, the prophet Isaiah said, we're woe to those who call good evil and evil good. And that's essentially what we are seeing right before our very eyes. We're seeing God's institution of marriage redefined. Uh, we're, we're, you know, we, we call abortion, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, we, we call infanticide abortion, excuse me, when plainly it's, it's murder. And, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have the, the same, the, the, the same connotation, the same ring to it. And yet the left, see, serpent is, uh, the serpent, when he appeared to Eve, when the first sin was committed, uh, he, what was the first sin ever committed, Joe and Doug? He made what? He made Eve doubt God's what? You guys sure. with me? He made him? Yeah, the first sin ever committed was Satan, the serpent, in the garden, saying in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, says the serpent said to the woman, you will, you will not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Like the Illuminati, your mind will be illuminated, right, guys? That's what he's saying. And then in verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband, with her husband, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin 
coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees and the garden. Original sin, the first sin ever committed. And how was Satan able to accomplish it? By twisting and distorting God's word. Fast forward to Matthew chapter 3, when Satan is trying to tempt Jesus, and he takes him where? Excuse me, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 4. He takes them to the mountaintop, and he quotes scripture, Jesus of, and, and, and basically challenges Jesus to throw himself down, and he quotes scripture, and he says, it is written, man shall not live on, uh, excuse me, he says, um, and the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become blood. But what does Jesus do? He takes God's word and says, but it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil takes him even higher to the pinnacle of the temple, and he says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. See, even Satan knows God's word. He's the master at twisting and distorting words. And Satan goes on to say, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. But Jesus says, answers to him in verse 7, on the other hand it is written, you shall not put the Lord God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And I love verse 11, guys. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. And, guys, that's, that's the, the, the crux of this show in a nutshell. When we stand on God's word, when we're cognizant of the, the true meaning of the word of God, and we stand on it. We don't bend on it. That is the most powerful weapon the Christian has at his disposal. That is the sword of the Spirit, sharper than any two-edged sword. And so, when we look at the, 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 the you know, 2016, we're going to fast forward. And now, what are some of the other words that Satan, because he's still, he's got nothing new up his sleeve. It's the same deception, it's the same strategy that he uses to deceive others, so that why? So that he can if you look at the book 1984 what was Newspeak primarily utilized for? It was primarily utilized to enslave society and to put them in bondage and to control them. Well 2016 it's the same thing. We call it what do we call it guys? We, we call it Newspeak, we call it what's the word that we would call it guys? Joe? Joe? Come yeah, come on, come on. Is a purple stick See, kicked in, that? Doug? Hit him with your baseball Joe. bat, Nerf bat. He wasn't listening. Oh, I, he, was, he was listening. He was listening. He just has this perplexed look on his face. Go ahead. <laughs> what, what, I, I, hey, on another note, I loved hanging out with you guys in Dallas. I cannot wait to see you guys again when, when we reunite. Um, it was oh, awesome seeing fun. you guys in person and, and, and bonding with you guys. But, Joe, yeah. what do they call 
Newspeak from 1984 and 2016. I know your listeners are all... Doublespeak? We've already mentioned it. What do they call it? Doublespeak? Oh, you yes. already mentioned it. See, I, I, Greg, I, I had um, something else in mind. Uh, and, Go ahead. Uh, we Go just ahead. got a, a note. If you can... Um, Back off the phone a little bit because there's a lot of static coming through. Right. It kind of sounds like my problem was I. My problem was I had a, a mocha. I had a. My problem was I had a mocha before I came on the show. So I want to apologize okay. to the Hagman and Hagman audience worldwide. Um, right. I need to no back worries. off of my mocha. No, but no. Seriously, right. in all seriousness, what do we call it? We what do we call it? Well, I mean, what's it commonly uh, referred to? The language that we have to use is political. Well, right, political correctness. Correctness. But by, by the yeah. mainstream media, right? Yeah, I, I you know, it, it's, it's so simple. Um, really, it really is. And we're looking at as you as you, as you had kind of uh, referenced to word Nazis. You know, the political correctness in which we are enslaved. Greg, I, I believe at this mm-hmm. point, is such that um, they are forcing us to talk in a specific language or, or else we could be facing civil and criminal penalties. I mean, we see this taking place. And, and, and this happened in Europe. Uh, this is why it's relevant today. I mean, and if we don't stand up and start using the correct yeah. phraseology and terminology and words, then we are going to be bound forever by this, by the, uh, uh, the, the Nazification of our language by the communi- the, the communists who are taking our language and, and, and making us talk in, uh, oxymoronic, if that's even a word, uh, using oxymoronic phrase, phrases. So the bottom line, you're right, you're right. It, it, it is political correctness and it, and at the heart of what we're talking about is political correctness. Yes, yes. And, and, it is and inherently satanic. Satan hasn't changed the game plan. It's the same game plan. That's you got right. your kids. If you got your kids in public school, I guarantee you, you're going to want to listen to this. And even you know, even some churches and look, we're, even Christians, you know, we're all guilty to a certain degree. That's why I'm hoping that this encourages people, informs people, makes us more astute, and sharpens us all. Let me go. Let me. You guys mind if I just go through the list of the dirty Let's dozen? Go, no, go Let's ahead. Let's go. Yes. Here's the first phrase. Now, the, 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 the title of the article, you can get it. I think you guys listed it. It's on my website, jackson.com. It's called Common Words and Phrases, Phrases and Terms the Left Has Twisted and Distorted that Christians and Conservatives Should Never Use. I call it the Dirty Dozen. Of course, it's not exhaustive, but here, here are some for your listening pleasure. The first one is Democrats. I never, it, and, and here's what I write. A word used to describe those belonging to the Democrat Party and who subscribe to a Democratic political ideology and philosophy. The problem with this term is that those in the modern-day Democrat Party are mostly hardcore communists and socialists. When referring to modern-day Democrats, I recommend using the term Democrat socialists. You could also, and by the way, it's not exhaustive, but calling uh, you know, Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders a Democrat um, is, is just not precise. I mean, maybe calling John F. Kennedy, a Democrat, would have been more precise. But these guys are hardcore communists. And so I think that we should just call them for what they are so that our next generation of children are not confused. Like when my son Jake, who's 11, says Bernie Sanders is a Democrat, I said, no, he's not. He's a communist. He is a, he's a Democrat socialist. Uh, maybe, maybe even, a, a, but he is, he is, uh, his whole political philosophy that he is advocating is one of communism. Everything's for free. Uh, you know, 
uh, Robin Hood, steal from the rich, give to the poor. He's a hardcore commie. And so maybe if we had been about choosing our words correctly and teaching them to our kids, we wouldn't have an entire generation that just voted for this hardcore communist and is now supporting another hardcore communist by the name of Hillary Rodham the Witch Clinton. By the way, Doug, I love how you always call her Hillary Rodham the Witch Clinton. She's an admitted witch. She's the head of a witch coven in California. And let's be precise with our appellations, with our titles. And I don't know why Donald Trump hasn't jumped on this. I mean, to think about the fact that we have Christians that are supporting somebody who used to have seances on the roof of the White House who invoked the spirit of Eleanor Roosevelt and who used to regularly uh, go out to California when her husband was president, uh, that they could even remotely uh, support her in any way is, I mean, it would be laughable if it wasn't so sad because it just shows you the depth of the ignorance of many self-professing Christians. Let's go to the second one. How about democracy, guys? Here's what I write. This is number two on the Dirty Dozen. A word often used to describe America's system of government. I cringe every time a conservative uses this term in this manner. By the way, I'm guilty of it, guys. America was initially established to be a constitutional republic. Pure democracies are characterized by majority rule and often lead to mob rule, as was the case in the 18th century revolutionary France. You remember when uh, Robespierre and and, uh, the, the French who... We're getting their heads chopped off in the guillotine. You guys remember that. Democracy, in many ways, uh, we were, uh, were not originally intended to be. When referring to our form of government, I recommend using the term constitutional republic. Arguably, guys, we've probably devolved into a, a, a mob rule, uh, uh, maybe even a post-constitutional republic. But still, when we're teaching our kids and when we're speaking to one another about what our form of government was initially set up to be and what it should be, what the plumb line should be, we are a representative constitutional republic. So let's start using that language. Let's teach, I mean, shame on us if we're telling our kids that we we live in a democracy, right? What do you guys think? Amen to that. Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. Democracy is uh, two guys and a, and a woman in an elevator uh, and uh, taking a vote on uh, having sex with a woman. Uh, I mean, that's as nicely as I could put it. Democracy is, in fact, mob uh, mob rule. Ultimately, leads to mob rule. But but it's it's the the, the young people of the the millennials don't know constitutional republic or representative republic. They they they, they just and it's by design. All of this is by design. Absolutely, right? Doug. I, you know. And it's my design to, to take us, um, uh, to take us down a road. Of course, the, the road to enslavement. And, and words are so important. You go back, as you had mentioned during the first uh, opening uh, opening segment, where you know God spoke the world into existence, and and he used yes. the words to do so. Sounds, frequencies, and and all of these words are, are so important. These phrases. So, folks, please pay attention. Constitutional republic, not uh, representative republic, not uh, democracy. Indeed. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, and it's also the tone that we use. We can get into that a little bit later. Our words are to be seasoned with salt. We're supposed to speak the truth in love. And so we have to remember that uh, we have to be patiently enduring, even those who persecute us, those who come against us. We need to uh, 
uh, even though we're we're using the per, the correct terminology terminology, I think as a good caveat, we should also all recognize that people don't really care what you're talking about and how precise and concise and accurate your terminology may be if they don't feel you care about them or if they feel you're uh, lording it over them. So I think it's just as a caveat, I think it's important to say that, you know, let's use the precise wording and terminology, uh, but let's let's also uh, season what we have to say in love so that, that, that it would be received well. Number three, guys, is the term progressive. Doug, I got up just silently just smack you on the hand because... You, you, sometimes you're guilty, you, but but you do. But I got to give you credit. You, you you refer to the left as progressives, the progressive left. But you'll still you, you'll also say the progressive communists or the progressive communist left. But here's the thing about progressives. This is what I write. It's a word often used to describe liberals, right? Isn't that isn't that what what we're describing? And Democrats to convey yeah. that their political philosophy and objectives represent progress. And after all. Who isn't for progress? The reality, however, is that the progressive ideas they are talking about include child killing, preborn babies, excuse, include uh, killing preborn babies, redefining marriage, criminalizing Christianity, and open borders. Instead of using the term progressive, I recommend the more accurate terms, including Democrat socialists, globalists, statists, or neo-Marxists. What do you guys think? You guys agree? You came up, yeah, and you came up with a term uh, long ago, <clears throat> liberal fascist. <clears throat> I mean, yes, I. To say. I actually, now Doug, I that I have to say, I wrote a paper. It's on my website in the archives called "Liberal Fascism." In I think it was 2006 or 2007 when I wrote for Townhall.com, and. <clears throat> I think I coined that term. I'm not sure, but Jonah Goldberg, about a year later, came out with a book called Liberal Fascism. Just saying. <laughs> I don't uh, care, uh, though. No. I care yeah. that, here's what I care about. I care that my son, my little 11-year-old boy, isn't brainwashed to thinking that killing babies and two men sodomizing each other represents progress. See, this is how the left plays little word games, and this is how they... This is how they brainwash our children. And by the way, the Bible clearly says that we're to wash our mind in the Word. If Listen, uh, folks, if you have kids, high school, uh, whatever, infants, uh, middle school, they're in college, they're young adults, I don't care what age they are, the culture, the media, the society, their college professors are brainwashing them. Everybody has a point of view. Everybody is trying to influence your children to think one way or the other. It's human nature. Folks, if you don't brainwash your kid, somebody else is going to. So at the very least, you could sit down with the dirty dozen before your kids go back to school, print it out, and set, set the record straight so that your kids don't call Bernie Sanders, who's a hardcore neo-Marxist communist, which, by the way, is a political philosophy that led to the murder of over 200 million people in the 20th century alone. The most deadly, we call it, you guys know what the term is? It's called democide, which refers to death by government, which has killed far more than, you know, how people say, oh, Christianity is, 
is the reason for all these wars and murders. No, democide is the largest killer in natural history. Atheistic, Darwinian, satanic democide. Death by government. And folks, we're at the doorstep of that in the United States. Not to sound too hyperbolic, but if you're a listener to the Hagman and Hagman report, you know the lateness of the hour. If you don't control the language and the terminology and the words that you and your kids and your loved ones use, somebody else will. And to the extent that we either take control of the words that we use or abnegate that to others to distort and twist the meaning of those phrases, we, to the extent that we let them get away with it, will be the extent that, uh, to which... The any scintilla, any any Greg, it sounds like your uh, connection is, is really bad. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I don't think we got to, Greg, we, I got to, we got to stop this. Right so you can there. hear us, uh, uh, drop the call and we'll reconnect with you. I, I, I uh, really don't think signal. we could have even attempted to, uh, create that sound effect. Uh, <laughs> no, that was pretty we, good. We lost the call? <laughs> there yeah. we go. Uh, okay. Now you're back. Maybe it, we, back. we go to a break in about four minutes. Maybe you want to reconnect during the break. <laughs> it, uh, it just, it, you just came across as, Am I as okay? uh, yeah, no, you're okay. Yeah, you're okay now. Okay. Whatever happened, whatever you did, don't do what you just did. Okay. <laughs> so, All right. I don't know if you. What, should we go to number four? Let's go to number four. Come on. Yeah. Let's rock. Okay. Number ready? Number four. Number right. four. Pro-choice. Guys, <laughs> if you're, if, if you consider yourself to be a pro-life, Christian, conservative, whatever, don't use the term pro-choice ever. Here's what I write. It's a word used by the left to describe anyone who believes abortion, which is the killing of a pre-born baby, is a constitutionally protected right. In reality, however, those who call themselves pro-choice are really just pro-abortion, since the baby inside them has no choice in the matter. Instead of calling those in favor of abortion on-demand pro-choice, I recommend calling them pro-aborts. Of course, we could think of others, but I like the term pro-abort. That person is a pro-abort. You are a pro-abort. You believe that it's okay to intentionally murder a pre-born baby. Oh, Greg, that sounds pretty harsh. Oh, don't use that harsh language. You're inflaming the audience here. Well, let me tell you something. That baby who's about to have his life or her life terminated at Planned Parenthood tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. gives a rip, and you should too. And if you're in favor, if you think that it's a woman's constitutional, constitutionally protected right to kill a baby, and you think that you're so illuminated and uh, so much more advanced than the rest of us, and you're pro-choice, the fact of the matter is that baby inside you is a distinct human being with a, with a, with a, with a totally distinct chromosomal makeup, and they have no choice. So you're not pro-choice. You're pro-baby murder. You think it's okay to murder babies. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think uh, right the the you have to find a new term from pro-abort <clears throat> since you already went over abortion as something that uh, shouldn't well, be used as a term. But yeah, uh, pro-infanticidist. How about how a pro pro-infanticidist? A baby it's just, killer. It, it's pro pro murder. I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't pro murder. It's a, <clears throat> pro homicide. Yeah, you know, it, it, as yeah, long it, as it's not pro-choice, guys. Right. Right. As long as, yeah. you know, want to know why? Because our kids here are pro-choice. You know what they hear? Oh, well, I guess, you know, choice is good. We've been taught that, you know, people should have a choice. Choice is good. 
The connotation is good. And so it's fair, it's good, it's equitable. And then they start buying into the lie that it's a woman's right to choose. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, we have like one I, more quick one? Um, Go ahead, Doug. we got about a minute about, and a half. we got about, yeah, about 90 seconds. Yeah, let's, slip, let's slide one more in there. Go ahead. All right, number five, and then we'll get, to the, we'll get to the rest after the break. Legal. Ready? And we can go into the explanation after this. Legal. Now, this, I, I'm not saying don't use the term legal, but what I am saying is let's understand. This is so important, Doug. We've had so many conversations, all of us, over the past couple of years about this term. So important that the Hagman and Hagman audience understand it and utilize it correctly. Here's what I say, and we'll go to break. Democrat socialists use the word to describe anything that either a majority of legislatures, legislators or voters votes for, or, or alternatively, that any court rules in favor of. Again, leftists believe majority rules. Might makes right. The truth, however, is that for anything to be legal, it must never violate the plain words of either the Constitution and, more importantly, the divinely revealed word of God. For example, many in the left and far too many in the right will claim that same-sex marriage is legal because the court issued an opinion. It's Goodridge opinion in Massachusetts and the federal Obergefell opinion, saying that it is unconstitutional to prohibit people of the same sex from marrying one another. But since no majority of voters, legislators, or jurists possesses the authority to redefine what God himself has explicitly instituted, defined, and ordained, i.e. that marriage is the exclusive union of one man and one woman, same-sex marriage, in quotations, can never be legal. Never, ever, 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 ever. And folks, don't, uh, don't you forget that. It can never that. be legal. That's right. No, no. You're, you're it's exactly made up. right. It's a made-up term. It's fake. That's right. And it's being forced down our throats by the word Nazis, the... Globalists who bow at the altar of political correctness. Listening to Hagman and Hagman, guest Greg Jackson. Greg, two G's, Jackson. I love saying that. I don't know why. Folks, we're going to be right back with Greg. You sit right where you're at. Something's wrong when the words we use are being uh, manufactured for us. When we have to, uh, when we're being forced to use modifiers before certain words like radical Islam. Yeah, we're going to be getting into that. Words, phrases, bowing at the altar of political correctness, are being forced to. That's our topic tonight. Our guest, Greg Jackson, from GregJackson.com, author of Forty Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die. I highly recommend that book. Not just for your children, but for you, for everyone. And uh, Greg is a good friend of the program, good friend of ours. He and his dog Gunner, his son, his wife, wonderful family. Great, just a great guy. Listen to what he's got to say, because, you know, we could talk all day long about what's wrong. Oh, there's a lot wrong. You know, you, you tune in and you see Hillary, Diane Rodham, the witch Clinton, the yak, communist yak, uh, uh, in front of a group of people. 
and over her left shoulder you see the father of Omar Mateen in the in the special gallery. That's right, special gallery. It's no accident behind there to get behind there. You got you you got you got those people standing behind Hillary or whoever is talking. They're selected. Something wrong? Did we fall into a, a black hole of of uh, upside downness? That's not a word. Talk about wrong words. I could write a I could write a whole page about this uh, with a pencil with no you know, without any lead. But uh, what would be the point, right? Yeah, I said it. Some people will get it. Others won't. Those people in Hattiesburg might not, but I'm sure if you're if you're up north, you will, right? Greg Jackson. Let's continue on with the words that people sure, want and, us to uh, use, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you, Doug, um, and I appreciate the kind words. By the way, forty things to teach your children before you die. It's in its sixth printing. Um, only about a year and a couple months old, and this would be a great time if, if you got kids that are going back to school in a couple weeks or a month, you can get it. It's only 80 pages. Doug, I know it's required reading for your family members before they get access to your will, whatever you leave behind, before we celebrate together for eternity in heaven. And, and, and no uh, one's getting my 71 Ford Pinto, okay, before they read that book. All right. Wow, I'm kind of interested in that. Maybe we could work out a deal. 71 Penno. Yeah, um, it, but, it, it's a little, little rusty, but it's okay. All you, right. You know, this is just, it, and you guys know, I've shared my heart many times. I wrote the book for my son, and the book really, I mean, it's, it's, it's basically the opposite of what the world is teaching our kids on virtually every topic. I know a lot of Hagman and Hagman family listeners, uh, you know, have, have read it, they've utilized it, I've gotten a lot of praise reports, and it's it's really been gratifying. Um, you know, in Dallas, I, I met a bunch of people who had read it, and they told me stories about, you know, how their son, who would never even pick up a Bible or daughter, you know, read the book and got them more interested in God's Word. And, and, and most importantly, the 40th thing in the 40 things to teach your children before you die is chapter 40, which is entitled, The Most Important Thing in This Life is Where You Will Spend Eternity, and indeed it is. And it's essentially the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. And uh, we're, we'll, we'll talk about that more um, at, at the end of the hour, because when we talk about the word, the importance of words, there's no more important word than God's word and the gospel and the good news about the kingdom of Jesus Christ and coming into the kingdom and getting as many people into God's kingdom as possible, because it's only there where you will experience real life, abundant life, true life, and most importantly, eternal life. And so if for no other reason, I don't care if you know, if you, 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 your kids or your loved ones, they don't read any of the other chapters, but as long as they read chapter 40, then you can say with a clear conscience, I shared the gospel with my fill-in-the-blank, my son, my daughter, my friend. And folks... The hour is late, and we need to be about our Father's business. We need, I don't want to stand in front of my Heavenly Father. I don't want to stand in in front of my Lord Jesus and staring down at my shoelaces saying I was ashamed to share the gospel with so-and-so. You know, and and I have, most of my family members are non-believers, 
And I partly, I mostly read the book for my son, but, you know, in the back of my mind, I, I knew that this book, I wanted to get in front of my family members, my aunts, my uncles, my, my unsaved cousins, whatever, because I love them enough to share the gospel with them. And if we love people enough, we're going to share God's word. Amen? Especially the gospel. Absolutely. So thank you, Doug, for, for, for mentioning uh, that. You know, I, I think if you really want to give your, your, your kids a good homeschool education this summer before they go back, and if they are in a public school, and you know, get them out if you can. You know, start a school in your church. Teach them God's word. Get them out of the Marxist madrasa where they're being brainwashed into humanist. They're receiving a humanist, man-centered indoctrination education instead of a God-centered education. But if you can't, I'm not condemning you. I know people for various reasons. Their kids are in public school. But hey, listen. At the very least, over the next three, four weeks, get a copy of 40 Things on Amazon or go to gregjackson.com, 40 Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die, and download this article, which I think you guys have posted at Hagman Hagman or gregjackson.com that we're discussing right now. And, hey, that's a good start. It's entitled, for those of you who weren't with us, Common Words and Phrases and Terms the Left Has Twisted and Distorted that Christians and Conservatives Should Never Use. I call it the Dirty Dozen. We talked about some of those words never to use. People can print it out and share it with your loved ones and friends. You can even annoy some of your liberal friends with it um, who might be a little bit more open-minded. The first five were what? Uh, Democrats, democracy, progressives, pro-choice, and legal. And then John Doug, number six. And by the way, let me just mention this before I go into number six. Colossians 4, verse 6. Feel the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, leading me to share this with you because I know I sound fired up. I might even sound maybe too fired up, maybe even angry. But, folks, that's not the case. I'm just on fire because I want to share all the stuff that's burning in my heart, and hopefully it will encourage you and inform you and, and again, make us better equipped to defend sound doctrine, to be better witnesses, to, to be better soul winners, to, better, to be better at, at um, breaking down the strongholds of Satan's powers, which, of course, is twisting and distorting truth, and especially the truth of God's Word. But Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And I love that. It's Colossians 4, 6. And may we all, in these conversations that we have, and even when we use some of these terms that, that may even sound harsh, may our conversation and, and may the words be seasoned with salt and with love and be received well. Amen? Amen, Greg. So, Amen. Numbers, if I if numbers, I can if I can just yeah, get ahead, a drum Doug. roll, you know, if we had a drum roll for this next one, I'd I'd play it, but we don't. Mm. Um, you know, this next this, this next one. phrase, I do. It's one of my very favorites, folks. Listen up, because this is where I believe the conservatives, political conservatives, moral social conservatives, have gone totally off the rails. Take it away, sir. Well, I have to give proper uh, uh, credit where credit is due, and I have to credit three people who made me fully understand and appreciate number six, which is, in, in quotes, the court legalized. That's number six, the court legalized. And, and I want to give proper attribution to those who enabled me to come to a proper understanding of why courts don't legalize anything and the uh, what federalism is, checks and balances, and really what our constitutional Republican form of government was originally set up to be and how it was designed to work. 
And those three gentlemen are Dr. Herb Titus, who is the founder of Regent uh, uh, Law School, Christian Law School. Uh, Dr. Alan Keyes, who I consider to be a mentor and a great friend. Uh, and of course, he was the ambassador uh, under President Reagan, and I feel blessed and honored to have uh, 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 met him and spoken with him and have uh, uh, learned a, a significant amount from, from Dr. Alan Keyes. And then uh, finally, Dr. Edwin Vieira, who I've never met, but we've had communications, and um, you guys should definitely have all three of those gentlemen on, on your program at some point to even go further in depth. But they're the ones, the constitutional scholars, because I never went to law school. I have read the Constitution. I don't consider myself to be a scholar. But really, guys, the, our, our Republican form of government is very, very simple, and it doesn't take a scholar to understand it. And that's the genius of the design of our, our, our system is the simplicity of it. And <clears throat> number six, I say the court legalized. How many times do we hear conservatives say, well, the, co the, the court legalized it, it's legal, we got to go along with it, whether it's Obergefell decision, or excuse me, opinion, Roe versus Wade, uh, Lawrence v. Texas, whatever the court opinion is, we, many of us who consider ourselves to be law and order conservatives, constitutional conservatives, unwittingly perpetuate the toxic liberal lie that courts make law, that the Supreme Court is supreme because, after all, they're the final arbiter of what is legal and what isn't legal, and any opinion that they belch forth from their lofty purview, the other two inferior branches have to enforce and submit to the authority of. That has been, I think, the... the um, the overwhelming understanding, at least for the past couple of generations, I think that that has been the, uh, the, the, the general understanding of how our government works. It, whatever the Supreme Court says, they're the final word, and every other branch of government, every state, every, at every branch and level of government has to, su to surrender to the opinion of the court. Now, here's what I write, gentlemen, as, as succinctly as I could. I say this is a phrase I hear repeated frequently by leftists and far too many conservatives and Christians who have all been taught the lie that courts can make law. And the court opinions supersede legitimately enacted laws, statutes, and constitutions. The main problem with the phrase, the court legalized, in quotes, of course, is that courts or judges don't possess the legal, moral, or enumerated constitutional authority to make, amend, or strike down, I put strike down in quotes, because we that's another phrase we often hear, any laws, statutes, or constitutions. They can issue administrative opinions, they meaning courts, judges, can issue administrative opinions on individual cases before them that are binding only on the two parties, but it is a blatant lie to assert that a court opinion becomes the, quote, law of the land, unquote, the very second it is issued. Suggested replacement phrases that I would suggest are, the court issued an opinion. Let me repeat. The court didn't legalize anything. The court issued an opinion. And either it's constitutional or it's unconstitutional. How simple could that be? So instead of saying the court legalized... What we should have said, for example, with the Obergefell opinion is, the court issued an opinion in its Obergefell opinion, finding or concluding that the Constitution of the United States grants 
permission and authority to members of the same sex to marry one another. Of course, those are, I guess, in the same numbers, penumbras, and emanations that the quote-unquote right to privacy, which you'll never find those words in the Constitution, uh, you know, uh, justified killing children in their mother's womb. So the point of this is, is that when a court hands down an opinion, whether it's Roe vs. Wade, Obergefell, Lawrence v. Texas, Windsor, whatever the court opinion is, we should never say the court legalized. Why? Because, and, and people will argue with that and say, well, Greg, you know, essentially that's the way it is, and they'll point to Marbury versus Madison, and they have all sorts of uh, justifications and rationales for essentially saying, well, the Supreme Court is supreme, they're the final authority, they're the final say, and until their opinions are overturned, then it's the quote-unquote law of the land. The only problem with that is it's not in the Constitution. The only problem with that is if that were the case, and Doug, you've said this a number of times on the show, if that were the case, then black people would still be three-fifths of a person. Why do I say that? Well, because... There's another court opinion that's never been overturned. And if court opinions are law, then the law of the land would be that blacks are three-fifths of a person. Of course, that opinion is the Dred Scott opinion. And of course, we know that Abraham Lincoln rightly rejected that opinion, and like his predecessor, Andrew Jackson, uh, said, thank you for your opinion, Mr. Supreme Court, uh, but what I'm just going to uh, reject it as, as the absurd uh, uh, constitutional nullity that it is, since it is illegal, immoral, and unconstitutional. That's the way, by the way, folks, that our Republican form of government is supposed to operate. It's called checks and balances. When any court issues a court opinion that is illegal, immoral, or unconstitutional, the other branches have an obligation. They have a duty, a sworn duty to reject. For example, Roe vs. Wade. Many people say that it granted, it basically legalized abortion. How many times have we heard that, guys? The only problem with that is that Roe vs. Wade is an opinion. Okay. It didn't legalize anything. The problem is that every governor, when it was issued in 1973, treated it as if it were essentially de facto law of the land, superseding the God-given inalienable right to life that's already pre-existed in the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments of the United States Constitution. Right? And so what happened in 1973 is that every governor and every state legislature swallowed the big lie from the pits of hell from Satan himself that court-issued opinions supersede the God-given right to life as enumerated in the United States Constitution, and most importantly, in God's divinely revealed word, thou shalt not murder, right? And so when, when Roe verse Wade was issued, that opinion was issued, what should have happened? As an example, every governor in the United States, and still should right now, and I've called for many governors in many states to stop violating their oath and to start rejecting Roe as the constitutional uh, nullity that it is, 
the absurdity, the abomination that it is, and instead do your job, shut down the abortuary, and protect the God-given right to life, and stop those baby butchers. Got to credit John Robertson because he said that that would be a great uh, a word for uh, a pro-abort, a baby butcher, which is, that's what they are. They baby, they butcher little babies in their mother's womb. I'm sorry if that sounds harsh. But governors should right now, Joe and Doug, reject Roe. It's their duty to do it and stop and close down the abortuaries. We don't need to pass any more laws. We already have the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendment. They should also stop issuing marriage licenses to same-sex couples. Why? Because when the Supreme Court issued its Obergefell opinion, it didn't legalize same-sex marriage. Why? Because courts don't legalize anything. They issued an opinion that was an abomination. It was wicked. It was evil. It was contrary to God's word. It was contrary to the laws of nature and of nature's God. And every governor in the United States of America who allows their civil magistrates to, to change husband and wife to partner A and partner B, as is going on in virtually every state in the country, it, you are in violation of your oath, Mr. and Mrs. Governor, by allowing those marriage licenses to be illegally altered and issued. By the way, we can thank Mitt Romney for that, because he lied as governor of Massachusetts, as I tried to warn America a few years back, when he falsely claimed that Goodridge was the law of the land, and it forced him to change those marriage licenses to, from partner A to partner B, to, or from husband and wife to partner A and partner B. Now, we all know he did it because it was payback to the homosexual log cabin Republicans and because Mitt Romney was a judicial supremacist, believing wrongly, like most conservatives, quote-unquote conservatives and Republicans, that courts make law and that their opinions represent the supreme law of the land. But we folks have a... We have an obligation, we have a chance to get our children, to the people within our realm, to stop believing the greatest lie, one of the biggest, most toxic lies from the pit of hell, that unelected black robe judges can usurp the authority of not only the legislative and executive branches, but more importantly, the word of Almighty God. Because no court, no majority of legislators, no majority of, of, of voters can redefine what God has defined. Marriage is between one man and one woman. God ordained it. He defined it. It's an exclusive union of one man and one woman. No court opinion can change it. No majority of voters can change it. And it's up to us, guys, conservatives, Christians. It's us, up to us to use the proper terminology. Don't ever say the court legalized. What we can say is the court issued an illegal, abominable opinion that my governor and my state legislators are obligated to reject. How's that for clarity and directness, guys? What do you guys think? Tell us, tell us what you really think, Greg, and uh, how it really lays out. <laughs> no, I, you know, you're right on the money. It's you important, are. though. It is. It's extremely important. You know, and, 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 and we can make those, a difference. Right, right. We have to stop, and, and th- this is, this is part of the larger picture here, folks. Very simply, we've got to stop believing the lie. We've got to stop believing what the, uh, 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 what the government and the media is saying. Courts issue 
opinions. They don't change laws. They um, legalizing anything. It's you cannot legalize baby murder, butchery, baby butchery. You can't do that. You cannot any more than you can legalize sodomite marriage because there is no such a thing. Or so, so yes, you're right on the money with this, and and people better start really understanding here how important these phrases, these words are. And, and, and we're just touching the surface here with Greg Jackson, gregjackson.com. That's G-R-E-G-G, jackson.com. Go ahead, sir. Well, the thing is, if we if we cede authority, if we allow our opponents, if we allow Satan to redefine the meaning of words, we're, we've, we've destroyed the very foundation on which we make our arguments and defend our faith. Words are, are, are I can't, Overestimate. Think about how many times you communicate. Facebook, Twitter, uh, social media, emails with your friends, conversations at, over the Thanksgiving turkey. Our words and phrases matter. We can change, and the leftists know this. That's why they've instituted political correctness, which is nothing more than communist agitprop propaganda to call evil in good and good evil to change the culture, to change the society, and to ultimately, and I'm sorry if this sounds hyperbolic, but it's true, ultimately to enslave us all. So we're, we're the last, this is it, this is the last generation. I don't see it lasting more than generation, but I do know that where, where there is God, there is hope, that we were called to endure, that we were called to fight to the very end, and that you guys have millions of listeners who together, if we all use the proper precise terminology and words we could make a difference we could definitely make a difference let me go to number seven separation of church and state i write it's a term used by the left to falsely convey that there can never be any mention of god or his word in public institution and the first amendment guarantees a separation of church and state we've all heard it the only problem is that the first amendment guarantees freedom of religion and not freedom from religion and that Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. By the way, if you don't know the First Amendment, go to your Constitution and memorize it. The phrase of church and state was originally used by Thomas Jefferson to mollify the concerns of the Danbury Baptists that the federal government would establish a, natural, a national church. But in no way it even remotely implied that there could never be any Christian religious practice or influence in public government institutions. The term separation of church and state does appear in a constitution, the former Soviet Union's constitution, Article 124. And, see, that's that's the, the thing, guys. And Barry Lynn, the president of Americans United for the Separation of Church and State, he wears a fake reverend costume. Maybe you've seen him. He's, he used to be the president of the ACLU. I debated him once on the separation of church and state, and I called him out. I said, Barry, stop lying. First of all, take off the Halloween costume, because you're not a Christian pastor, a reverend, and I know you go by that name, but you're, 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 you're a, a, a humanist, a secular humanist, and what you are preaching right now is communist agitprop. Separation of church and state came from your constitution, the former Soviet Union's constitution. That's your constitution, Barry. But ours in the United States is much different. And there, and it doesn't say that there can never be any uh, 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 
mention of God or His Word in any public venue or uh, government institution. You're lying, Barry. Admit it. You're a liar, and you, you've always been lying about this. And it was probably one, and by the way, it's on my website. If you want a good laugh, if you want some good entertainment, go on the archives, gregjackson.com, and it's, I think, one of, one of my favorite uh, interviews to listen to. Let me go to number eight, and you guys pipe in. I know we're, we're kind of short on time, but radical we Islam. We got about a minute before we're going to Yeah, break. just before you we're go into that. Radi- you, yeah, yeah. You yeah just hold, hold off before we move into I'll that section. Okay. I just what do you have, guys have, think? So, well, I got something to say about this and, and about what you just said here about the separation of church and state. I don't know how many people are following this, but uh, there's a church in Iowa right now where uh, the, the government is controlling the church sermons. An Iowa church, they can't eat, they right now, uh, because of the uh, IRS uh, or the Civil Rights Commission from Iowa, they cannot say anything that could make a homosexual a sodomite, a sinner, feel unwelcome in the church. This according to the government, this, well, this Civil Rights Commission in Iowa. Can you believe that? Uh, and it's happening here in America. And this is what happens when you fall for the, the lie that is the separation between church and state. And I would say if I was the pastor of that church or a member of that church to the, the Civil Rights Commission and to the people who are, 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 are complaining about this, bite me. Because you're not going to tell me what to say. We're going to be right back with Greg Jackson, gregjackson.com. Stay right where you're at. I wonder how many people really realize what's going on in this country. There's a holy war going on in this country. There's censorship going on in this country. When you've got the Iowa Civil Rights Commission saying it's got the right to say to a church, you can't preach that that gospel. No, you can't do that because you're making the sodomites, well, they don't use that, they use the word gays, Feel unwelcome and uncomfortable. Poor babies. I wonder what the yak with the sack thinks about that. The communist, uh, um, you know, uh, skin suit, right? Uh, but, but this is what's going on in this country. How many people, how many people are paying attention to what, what's going on in this country? Now, you know why? Because you're being brainwashed. The words that you're being forced to use are changing the way the synapses, the firing things in your mind are gone. You got a bunch of morons out there with their iPhones. You know, all you see is thumbs going a thousand miles an hour and their heads down, walking like idiots. Get your head out of your phone and the other place too. Folks, we're talking with Greg Jackson from gregjackson.com. Check out his latest article, G-R-E-G-G, jackson.com. We're talking about the uh, use of, of vocabulary and how words have been changed and the definitions of the words have been changed. And uh, we're going to get into some, we got some more left in this hour, um, and we're going to pick up right where we left off, Greg. I'm going to turn it over to you and go right ahead. 
Thanks, Joe. And Doug, it's good to see that the purple stick has kicked in. I'm, uh, oh, I was just, I was just happy to be fired up at the end of our Yeah, I was, I was just, I, I was kind of, you know, I was being reserved for you earlier, brother. I love it. I love it, Doug. Hey, you know, in all seriousness, I mean, it, it, it is important. You know, by the way, we have an alternative list. I mean, Barack Obama isn't really his name. His name is Barry Satoro. So why do we call him Barack Obama? Climate change? And by the way, these aren't on my list, but these are just some ones we can have fun with. I mean, climate change, uh, the weather, it's called weather. The climate is always changing. So, I mean, do we want to be popular with our liberal friends? I mean, I don't understand why you would, if you're a conservative, uh, you know, and, 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 and you understand that the weather's always changing, the climate's always changing, and it's based primarily on solar activity, sunspots, as Stan Dale and others have you know, said on the show, I don't know why we talk about, you, you use the, you know, because climate change, or which is now, you know, the, the second iteration of global warming, we all know what that is. That's a way for, to implement a global economic system, totalitarian economic system to uh, control your economic transactions based on carbon credits and so on and so forth. So let's stop using the term global warming, Climate change. Uh, let's stop it, calling President Obama President Obama. He's usurping the White House. He's very Satoro. He's, you know, the Kenyan-born usurper. Whatever, whatever you want to call him, you know. But don't call him President Obama. Uh, and, and if we're going to talk about Nazis, if Nazis are the point of conversation, and Donald Trump's being accused of being a Nazi, or those on the right are being accused of being Nazis, remind your liberal friend that the Nazi party was really the Democrat Socialist Workers Party. That was Hitler's party. Hmm, where have I heard that before? Democrat Socialist Workers Party. Hmm. Is there a guy named Bernie Sanders that ran for president that essentially has that same appellation, that same political philosophy and ideology? Do you know that if you voted for Bernie Sanders, you essentially voted for a Nazi? Yeah. Bernie Sanders. That's right. Democrat Socialist. Nazi Party. Uh, what, what am I going to do with my Feel the Burn shirt now? Huh. Send me all the hate mail. Greg Jackson. Greg Jackson at Gmail. Don't send it to Doug. I'll take it. Um, yeah. I, I, that's three co- I, here's, here's one, Doug. i got to get to this real quick. Three co-equal branches of government. We don't have three co-equal branches of government. It, read Federalist number 78. Write that down. Go back to when you have time. Put in a search engine. If you have the Federalist Papers, read Federalist number 78, written by Alexander Hamilton. The founders set up our constitutional republic. The executive and legislative branches that are directly accountable to the people were the, were the most powerful two branches. The third branch of government, the judicial branch, was intentionally designed to be the quote-unquote weakest of the three branches intentionally, neither having the power of the power of the purse nor the power of the sword. Stop using the word three co-equal branches, because they're not co-equal. That's not to say that the judiciary doesn't have any authority enumerated under the Constitution. It does. And hopefully they should be in the business of issuing legal, moral, and constitutional opinions. And when they do, it's binding on the parties before it, and the legislative and uh, executive branch has a constitutional duty to uh, uh, change the laws to accommodate those opinions. It's called federalism. It's called checks and balances. Um, you know, we can go down the line. War on terror, 
Sorry. Stop using that term. Terror is a strategy. Uh, there is no war on a strategy. It's it, if you. It's a and, and that term is used by George Bush or was used by George Bush and the neocons and others to essentially enslave you, to subjugate the American population, to invent this boogeyman. We all know ISIS was a creation of the Obama administration. General, uh, you know, Flynn has come out and, and said that that they were instituted by the Obama administration. They were funded by the Obama administration, ISIS, which is the primary cause of most of the global jihad, is a creation of the CIA and the Obama administration. So we don't have a war on terror. We have a war on Islamic throat-cutting jihadists. Again, my email address is greg.jackson at gmail. You can send me the hate mail and not Doug Hagman or at studio at Hagman and Hagman. I'll be happy to take it. Again, my, my, my goal isn't to inflame you, but folks, we're at the end of the Constitutional Republic, of anything that remains. Stop using the enemy's jargon and terminology. <clears throat> All right, let me get back to the list that I have on my website. I think uh, radical Islam is number eight, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buzz through this. This is a term used by leftists to false, notice how I didn't call them liberals, Joe and Doug? Call them leftists. That's what they are. They're leftists. Like Barack Hussein Obama, a.k.a. Barack Hussein Obama's real name is Barry Satoro, the communist agitator, community organizer, who's illegally usurping the White House. That's how he needs to be referred to. He should be perp-walked. Right now, out of the White House and literally put in, in, in prison, in stocks. We're calling this guy the President of the United States. Here's the term, guys. It's called radical Islam. We should never use that term. Doug, I know this is a pet peeve of yours. This is a term used by leftists to falsely imply that normal, i.e. non-radical Islam, is peaceful. But the truth is that for anybody who is even remotely familiar with the explicit and imperative teachings of the Quran and Hadiths, that Islam is inherently radical, i.e., that it promotes violence, destruction, and death to all those who refuse to submit to Islam. There is only Islam. Let me repeat. There is only Islam. Radical Islam is Islam. Let me repeat. Radical Islam is Islam. Instead of referring to those who commit acts of terrorism, who shout, Alu Akbar, or however you pronounce that, Al-Hunanu Akbar, radical Muslims or radical Islamists, call them what they are. They're Islamists, Muslim jihadists, or Islamic jihadists. There's no such thing as a moderate Muslim. You know what we call moderate Muslims? We call them backslidden Muslims, ones who aren't practicing the teachings of the pedophile founder of Islam, Muhammad. By the way, if this is, I'm sorry if you're a Muslim and you're listening to this, this is upsetting to you, but I love you enough to tell you that there is only one way to heaven, it is through Jesus Christ. He, he wasn't a prophet, but more importantly, he was the Son of God, and what you have been taught is a lie. There aren't many ways to God, even though George Bush told George, told George Stephanopoulos or whoever on ABC News that all roads lead to, to God and Muslims just have a different way of getting there. 
The fact of the matter is there's only one way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. John 14, 6. I love you enough, Muslim brother and sister, to tell you that Jesus was the Son of God, eternally existing, not created, and that by repenting of your sins, believing on the name of the Lord Jesus, you too can be forgiven of your sins and spend eternity in heaven forever. Am I still with you guys? Amen, brother. Oh, you sure are. Yeah, I wanted to share that, because, you know, I love my brother, Muslim brothers and sisters. Many of them are deceived, Joe and Doug. Sure. Many of them are just backslidden. They don't, they've been raised in it or whatever, and I, sincerely, I want Muslims, I want everybody who is not a born-again believer in Jesus Christ to come to faith tonight. May today be the day of salvation for you. If you are listening to this uh, show, I don't believe it's coincidental. I believe that you are, are tuned in. Even if it's for the first time, you're like, what is this guy talking about? Well, if you don't know that you're saved, that if you died in your sleep tonight, that you would spend eternity in heaven, that you're forgiven of all your sins, and you're trying to, and you think that your good deeds are going to outweigh your bad deeds, or that you're going to come back and be reincarnated, let me just tell you, the truth of the Bible doesn't say that. We live once, and then the judgment. That's it. You get one shot at one crack at it. Tomorrow's not promised. If you don't know for sure that your sins have been forgiven, you've been born again, then may today be the day of salvation for you. May you repent of your sins, receive the Lord Jesus in your heart, be born again, get a good Bible, read it, uh, join a good Bible-centered, uh, Christ-centered congregation, study God's Word, grow in your faith, and then go out and share the gospel with others. All right, let's go to number nine, Gay. You guys like this one? Should I talk about gay. it? Gay. Yeah. <clears throat> sure. Gay. Let's do that. Yeah. Number nine, Gay. I've used it. Got to admit it. By the way, all right, so let me just read it short. The word gay used to mean a general feeling of happiness. That has been redefined by the leftists to describe a man who is attracted to and has sex with other men or a woman who is attracted to and has sex with other women. I mean, let's call it what it is. That's what defines it, right? My suggestion, suggested replacement words and terms, instead of calling somebody a gay, just call them what they are. They're homosexual, same-sex attracted people. I mean, those are good two, two terms. It's not an exhaustive list. But the main point is don't call them gay. Because, listen, here's the truth. If we really love people who are caught up in that lifestyle choice, there are thousands and thousands of people who have received the Lord Jesus. They've, they've, they've turned away. They're, they're no longer in that lifestyle. They're born again. They have the testimonies to prove it. And so, listen. If you happen to be engaged in that lifestyle or, ha you know, and, and, and you feel that there's a, that, that in your heart right now that it, that it, it's wrong, and I believe that every, anybody who's engaged in that, they know it's wrong. They're ashamed. That's why for years they stayed in the closet because they knew it was wrong. We didn't parade our sin around. But listen, it's not the unpardonable sin. Folks, there's only one unpardonable sin that prevents you from going to heaven, and that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, rejecting the free gift of salvation that can only be found by placing our faith by God's grace alone in Jesus Christ alone. Amen? So if, you're, Amen. if you are a practicing homosexual, I love you enough to tell you that what you are doing is not pleasing to God, but the good news is you can repent of your sins, you don't have to you stop practicing it and then become a Christian. No, no, you got it backwards. You repent of the lifestyle, and you say, Lord, I receive you. I repent 
I'm broken by my sin. I know it's wrong. Please wash me, come into my heart, cleanse, make my skin, uh, sins that were uh, uh, like scarlet, as white as snow, as the prophet Isaiah says. Give me a new heart, circumcise my heart, give me a new spirit, a new life, and help me to change, and he will. Amen? All right, let's finish up the list. Number 10. I know this is a pet peeve of yours. Traditional marriage. How many times have we heard conservatives, Christians, use the term traditional marriage? Right? Have we heard it? What's that? Okay. Traditional marriage. Again, unnecessary modifier. There's only one kind of marriage. It's a term used to describe marriage between one man and one woman, right? The only problem with this term is that the word traditional conveys that marriage is based on the traditions of men, when in reality marriage was originally defined, ordained, and instituted by God Almighty himself. Whenever Christians and conservatives use the phrase traditional marriage, they falsely perpetuate this fallacy. Suggested word replacement? You just, you just said it, Doug. Marriage. How about marriage? You guys like that? Marriage. How about instead of saying traditional marriage, we just say marriage, and people say, and then they say, well, you know, I believe in traditional marriage. Well, I believe in just regular marriage because God ordained marriage. When It's not based on the traditions of men. Marriage is based on God's ordination, his institution, his implementation of one man and one woman that Jesus himself in the Gospels even references and cites that a man should leave his parents and cleave to his wife, that the two shall become one. That's God's plan for human sexuality and marriage. There's only one definition of marriage in God Institute. We don't have to say traditional marriage, guys. Don't use the modifier, right? It's, it's, it's like using the term uh, Sharia law. Sharia is law. It's there just Sharia. That's why no Muslim will say Sharia law. It's Sharia. Sharia is the Muslim law. It's Sharia. They don't use Sharia law, so neither it's should we. Yeah. It's redundant. Okay, where are we? Traditional marriage. Okay, two more. Transvest. Are we having fun? Is this? You guys having fun? Yeah, we're having a blast good? here. Yeah, this is good. And and I just Eric, can't wait. To... How about you, buddy? Is Eric having fun? Eric's not mic'd up, but he's he's nodding, giving two thumbs up, and uh, right. saying, "Let's rock, man!" Yeah. Uh, tra- yeah. I, I, a... Transvestite. This is this is. <laughs> how about just uh, well, no. You go it's ahead. a term. It's a term used to describe a male who has become a female and vice versa. The main problem with this is that God has only created two types of human beings, two two types of persons, males and females, a.k.a. chicks and dudes. Sorry if that sounds harsh, but just chicks and dudes, right? Uh, Who have the equipment and DNA, the chromosomal makeup, to prove it. You got two X's or what, an X, Y, and... Double Y, what is it, two X's or an XY, right? Men such as Bruce Jenner, who claim they are now women, still possess the chromosomal makeup of a man and can never be a woman no matter how much lipstick they put on themselves. Suggested word replacement is cross-dresser. Don't use the term transvestite when we're talking about Target, special room for transvestites or transgenders. or No, 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 no. Guys, listen. God only created two types of people, chicks and dudes. There are no 33 different types of, different types of, uh, uh, what do they call them? Uh, 
what's the word now? The catchphrase, guys. Help me out. It's their 33 different uh, uh, orientations, sexual orientations. Well, yeah, yeah, gender, gender identities. orientations or identities. Thank you, Joe. Gender identities, 33. Not coincidental, 33, very Masonic. But not to go down that rabbit trail, let me simplify things. Two types of people, male, female. Males can never become females. Chromosomal make you can't change your chromosomal makeup. Now, you can, there is a third type of people, hybrid people, Hillary Clinton, for example, right? She's kind of a hybrid, we've concluded. I think she's demonstrating that right now. And, of course, there are chimeras, and, and in the days of Noah, this is what the Bible says would happen in the last days. So, but in general... Let's not use special toilets for transvestites or transgenders. What I humbly uh, suggest is that we just call them cross-dressers. Now, you're, you're going to really offend people, but what is Bruce Jenner? He still has the, the male instrumentation, right? And even if he had a sex, quote-unquote, change, and he had an operation... Women have adedictomies, and men, I don't know what they call them, but women have adedictomies. Um, by the way, that's what they call it. Uh, but they can never change their chromosomal makeup. So we can put wigs on and lipstick, but we can't change. So why should we perpetuate that toxic lie from the pit of hell? Because when we're doing that, what are we doing? We're essentially renouncing the truth of God's Word. What does God's Word say? God created males and females, chicks and dudes. That's it. All right. Yeah, I don't want to belabor the point. Last one, states' rights. i got to say this because I love, you, you, you know, Larry Nichols. You've had him on your show. He's one. He talks about states' rights. He's not alone. And by the way, I agree with a lot of what Larry Nichols says. I think he's a, a courageous guy. He's put his life on the line. Pray for the guy because I don't think he's doing well health-wise. But he has come out, and I think he's, you know, trying to make a go out of it, of doing the right thing. So I think we should all be in support of him. But he uses this term, straight states' rights. Here's what I write, guys. States don't have rights. Repeat after me. States don't have rights. People do. Proponents of states' rights often invoke the Tenth Amendment, which states, quote, the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited to it by the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people, unquote. Nowhere in the Tenth Amendment is there any provision for any rights for the states. Rather, it recognizes that states have certain powers and ability to do certain things. Even the Ninth Amendment restricts rights to the people, not to the states. Quote, the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Instead of using... The improper and inaccurate term, states' rights, in quotes, uh, conservatives and Christians should instead use the terms, quote, checks and balances, unquote, and federalism, both of which stipulate that the power of the government at both the state and federal levels is limited by the rights of individuals. That's so important, guys. When the federal government enacts laws that are unconstitutional, the states have the authority and duty, should have bolded duty or put it in big letters, to reject those laws to protect the rights of the people. Conversely, when individual states enact laws contrary to legitimately enacted federal laws, 
that are in keeping with the Constitution, the federal government possesses the authority and duty to intervene again on behalf of the people of that particular state. So important. Guys, states' rights, number 12, and the court legalized, number six, I think are two of the mo most important ones that we need to stop. We need to stop perpetuating, using that terminology, states' rights. States don't have rights. People have rights. Instead, we need to re-educate ourselves on what our government, our, Republic, our constitutional representative, Republican form of government, was originally intended and designed to be, and we need to be about the business of teaching our kids and our loved ones what our constitutional Republican, our form of government, is supposed to be designed to look like and to work like. And when, to the extent that we do that, I think we'll determine the extent to which we are able to reject the fallacy of judicial supremacy, for example, the, the, the absurd notion that states have rights, that, you know, if, if the federal constitution doesn't talk about the states can do anything they want, that's untrue, or that states have to, uh, are, are bound to federal uh, uh, law, no matter what the laws are, like Obamacare, for example. We all know that it's illegal, it's wicked, it's abominable, it funds child murder. It's theft. So on many levels, and I've written many articles about it, I've even discussed it on your show, Obamacare, as an example, the federal law, thanks to John Roberts, who essentially, those Republican judges, yeah, we gotta, we got we got to elect more Republicans so that they can put more conservatives on the federal judiciary and on the Supreme Court so that we can have more great opinions like Roe and Obergefell and Obamacare, by the way, those were all Republican nominee judges that were responsible for all those opinions. Just as an aside, I just want to throw that in there, just to really ruffle a lot of feathers tonight, because that's what we're probably doing. But here's what I'll say, guys. To the extent that we understand and we go back, because our words matter, our phrases matter, the terminology that we use is matters, and I want to empower the Hagman and Hagman audience because, guys, you listening, you're, you're like, what can I do? I'm, you know, alone in my apartment in New York, or I live, you know, I, I really don't have a lot of friends or family, and you know, nobody would even listen to me. They think I'm a kook or whatever it is. The fact of the matter is God has given us all some sort of platform. He's given us all some sort of access if we just merely say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm willing to be obedient to you to, even if this isn't quote-unquote politically correct, to use some of these words that might ruffle some feathers. And Lord, I pray that it would be in the spirit of love, in the spirit of winning souls, in the spirit of advancing truth, ultimately in the spirit of doing what is right in obedience to you. And I think that if we imagine if the Hagman and Hagman audience came together in brotherly Christ, in sisterly Christian love, and we said, you know, for the next month, at, I, I'm going to, at least when it comes to the 12 and the dirty dozen, the common words, phrases, and terms, the left has twisted and distorted that Christians and conservatives should never use as I lift the Greg Jackson list on gregjackson.com and on your website. What if we just all were intentional in using the correct terminology? What, what kind of conversations might it open up? 
Maybe some of our friends would be open and say, well, why do you use that term? Why do you use that phrase? Maybe we could better teach our loved ones and our kids and truly advance the kingdom. Maybe we could stand boldly in proclaiming truth, because the Bible says the words of ungodly men are crafty, but the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. And Hosea 6, 5 says, I have slain them by the words of my mouth. Psalm 12, verse 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. And so, folks, I, I, I guess the, um, and we can get, we have a few minutes uh, left here, or maybe we don't. No, we got the about thirty seconds. The most important word that I can give you is the gospel of Jesus Christ, because even some of, you know, refuting a lot of the politically incorrect words that we've gone over tonight, the most important thing is the Word of God. Romans 10.9, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. If you're saved, be encouraged, my friend, because we win in the end. You are called to endure, to fight the good fight. And if you're not saved, may today be the day of salvation for you. And if you get saved, please email me. I want to hear about it. Greg, G-R-E-G-G dot Jackson at gmail.com. I love you, Joe and Doug. Thank you for having me on your show. Thanks, I Greg. hope we were we redeemed the time well. God bless you. We'll talk to you later. Have a great evening. All right, guys. Folks, we'll be right back. Stay with us. Two hours with Greg Jackson talking about his article, gregjackson.com, um, about the uh, language that we use, the words that we use, and how important that is. Folks, uh, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report for the rest of this hour. News, we're going to go over some things, and I just want to, I'm, I want to talk, um, I want to open this hour up here, uh, uh, personally, because I, I've got this, I've got this real problem. See, there's a holy war going on in this country. Now, Rush Limbaugh yesterday, I believe it was, I think it was yesterday, talked about, um, during his program, talked about, well, people can feel something's wrong and they don't know what it is and, you know, they're troubled and, uh, but, but yet, you know, none of this, it, it was all political centric discussion. Uh, now that, this is not to disparage Limbaugh. This is not to talk. I mean, it was all political centric, uh, uh, where you know it, it's uh, obviously you've got you've got the the shooter, the Orlando shooter's father in the background of Hillary, Diane Rodham, Witch Clinton, the Yak, and and, and you've got uh, you've got Hillary. There's something obviously wrong with her, and you've got Donald Trump being the whipping boy of the uh, Democratic Socialist, the uh, Fabian Socialist progressive communist left and now you know you but but what we're seeing here is a holy war i believe and i think we really need to understand this because at the epicenter of this holy war is the intent i believe this to be the case anyway in my in my opinion is is to is to make islam the religion of the new world order but see, it's not going to be just Islam. What has to happen is Islam is has been weaponized by the globalists, attacking Christianity, and ultimately 
when it all mixes together and comes out the other end of this sausage maker known as the progressive communist new world globalist order yak with the sack in charge when it all comes out the other end it's going to be a state religion that's going to it's going to be not worshiping our god it's going to be you're not going to be allowed to teach from the bible case in point i mentioned the ohio or the iowa case and the the iowa case is big right now the iowa civil rights commission is being sued all right because what they did was they claimed that this commission has the right to control the content of church services that are open to the public. Now, did you hear what I just said? Please listen carefully. Stop typing, stop texting, and listen to this. Because this is coming like a freight train to us, to all of us. Iowa Civil Rights Commission says, okay, we can control the content of church services that are open to the public. You see, there was a lawsuit that was filed uh, by the Alliance Defending Freedom on behalf of the Fort Des Moines Church of Christ. It's part of a nationwide battle against the implementation of Obama's declared foreign policy priority in his final year in office that encompasses, and I'll use the word, gay rights. Hmm. See? This is why we can't we can't use gay. Let's call it for what it is. Iowa, they're they're mandating that <clears throat> this particular case mandates that the churches in Iowa protect transgender rights. Again, tra- here we go. Transgender rights. What's transgender? There's no such a thing. You either have the dangling participle or you don't. You see, but 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 Christians are are are, are at this point have not stepped up to the plate. Many of them have not. In my view, maybe you have, but many of them in the pulpits haven't stepped up to the plate and said, "You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna listen to you." This is still America. Last I checked, this is still America. And you know what? You can't tell me what to say. Don't give me this crap about 501c3 while we submit under the 501c3. Because Greg Jackson just spent a couple of hours talking, and that included the the state's rights and and, um, the misnomer there and the separation of church and state. But anyway, you see, the complaint is to stop this commission and the commissioners personally and the executive director of the Iowa Civil Rights Commission, the Iowa Attorney General, the governor, the city of Des Moines and such, and compelling this church to to uh, stop preaching the gospel, basically, is, is what it comes down to. And somebody says, well, you know, you, you could, could use the word basically. Well, get your own show, all right? Um, but, but, he, but see, at the epicenter of this, and, and, and here's the flip side of this, because... What you've got is you've got this uh, 
these rogue elements within the government, and I'm going to turn this over to Joe here shortly, but these rogue elements within the government, that these unelected czars, and, and, and this is why it's important, uh, at least at the federal level, if because we are being struck by so many arrows all at once, we have to at least put some uh, arrows in our quiver in the form of people who... Uh, uh, bring some sense and sensibility back into into life, <clears throat> but uh, you see, there's hope yet, at least in this case and others like it. But uh, at, at the epicenter of this particular case is a guy by the name of uh, Judge Carlton Reeves. He's a U.S. District Court judge. He was appointed by Satoro, the renegade in chief, back in uh, 2010. Now, he he had previously, you got to understand who this guy is. He's never met a Christian he didn't like, or a Christian law that he he didn't want to to snuff out, or a Christian right, I should say, they want to snuff out. Well, Carlton Reeves, Judge Carlton Reeves, your honor, Undeservedly, in my view, um, you're going to get your butt handed to you in this one, and if not formally, then informally. Because I'll tell you what happened. Back in Mississippi, Reeves made this proclamation. He said, uh, "Let me find it here." There was a case in Mississippi where and I believe it was Reeves who, who banned uh, the um, the music during a high school football game hey, hang on a minute there. hold on just bear with me because this is well worth it yeah just hold on he 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 banned um, a school band from a halftime show at a football game because part of its musical presentation was how great thou art. Can't do it. Mentions God. Can't do it. Now this this did get the attention of Fox News. Todd Starnes from Fox News and basically. And, and this is what we all need to do. We need to t- rip a page from 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 the people at this at this uh, was it Mississippi, Missouri, Mississippi. Um, let's see here. Um, anyway, here's what happened at the football game. The people at the football game sent him a message. What they did, which really, now World Net Daily reported on this, but what they did was they they sent him a message. It's the musical shot heard around the world during the halftime game of Friday's game, halftime uh, segment of Friday's game. A lone voice started singing, How Great Thou Art. Well, actually, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. Pretty soon, too, 
and then a half a dozen, and, and then a dozen, and then the entire, well, nearly the entire stadium sang, How Great Thou Art. Sticking it so far up this black-robed tyrant's rear end. You see, that's what, in part, it means to be a Christian. You don't take this crap and say, well, let me pray about it. Let me think about it. No. No. What's there to think about? Number one, this is America. Number two, you don't tell me I cannot pray to my God. And number three, why don't you, Carlton, hey, Carlton, since you're, since you're an African American, and since you, since you dislike Christianity so much, perhaps you might like, like to regulate the Muslims. Why don't you go into, why don't you go into the local mosque there, Carlton, and tell them, tell them that they've got to, uh, alter their Alua Akbar sermons. Think you can do that, Carlton, or don't you have the cojones hanging there? Under that black robe of yours. You see, anytime, and, and, and if we don't exercise civil disobedience right now, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Blood will, blood will flow in the streets. We exercise civil disobedience. We say we're not gonna, we're not gonna accept this crap. It is a stupid ruling. You can't tell us what to do. Take it and, and stick it in your pipe and smoke it and get it out of here and, 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 and Carlton, just go back to under that rock you crawled from. If we don't start standing up and saying enough is enough and yeah, sing with the crowd and those people who might boo, let them be the minority and show them to the gate nicely, but show them to the gate. Send a message to these lawbreakers, not lawmakers, but lawbreakers, and at least in my opinion, that their opinions stink. And not only do they stink, they're not lawful, and we are not going to abide by their laws. Because this is America. This is the United States of America. We have God, guns, and guts. So I would challenge anyone who is under the oppression by these tyrants, these black-robed tyrants, these judicial renegades, including but not limited to Carlton Reeves and any other black-robed terrorist out there, couple of challenges to you. You go into a mosque and you tell them what they can preach. All right. You know what? You don't have you don't you don't have, you don't have it. You, 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 what's that? Oh, okay. That's what I thought. And, and then as Christians, we stand up and we say, "No. Stick it in your ear." That first person, you be the first person to sing the first part of how great thou art don't be the last you be the first because if we don't do this if we don't exercise civil disobedience right now blood will will flow in the streets there's a holy war 
in this country, a spiritual battle in this country to which we must become engaged because it is coming for us right now and we are the targets of this war. Not the Muslims, not the Buddhists, not the Hindus, but the Christians. And wake up and smell what's going on. Smell the stench of tyranny. And don't be a wuss. Don't be a wussy. Don't, don't be wussy Christians. No. In my personal opinion, if you've got to stand there and if you've got to consider and pray about it and think about it and consider it and really, you know, I don't know if it's for me, get the hell out of my way. Get out of my way. Go. Do your own thing. That's not to be mean. we got a job to do here. We have a job to do, don't we? Are you going to do your job? Are you up to the task? Are you going to wait until we are so far down the garbage disposal, the, the, the swirlies into the sewage that we're going to have to fight against the tide to get back up again? I don't think so, because we won't have that opportunity. Neither will your children. This is what you, by, by you not, by you failing to act, in, in, in my opinion, by you failing to act, you're damning your children and your grandchildren to a life of subjugation under Sharia. And ultimately under that satanic, tyrannical, one world religion. And that's all I gotta say about that. It's up to you, sir. We're going to switch gears here and talk about some international news. Vladimir Putin and Turkey Zudrogan has signed a mega gas and nuclear deal. Um, this is from RT, and it's going on around the Internet. Russia and Turkey are back to normal in his first step outside of Turkey since the coup attempt. Erdogan chose to visit Russia in what is sure to anger his NATO or the NATO partners. What is really... Uh, making the White House and Brussels elites concerned is a recent announcement that both leaders made at a joint press conference saying where Vladimir Putin and Erdogan announced a joint discussion to resume the project of a nuclear power plant and the Turkish uh, stream gas pipeline. The mega gas and nuclear deals announced put another stake in the heart of the Western narrative of the Russia, Russia's isolation. And the article goes on to uh, cite Putin from the press conference that took place in St. Petersburg Square in Moscow, where Putin went on to say that they have discussed major joint projects in the field of energy. The Turkish side has already taken corresponding decisions, and we initially considered the Turkish stream not as an alternative to the South Stream, but as an opportunity to expand our cooperation in the area of a gas applied both Europe and with Turkey. Now, the problem here is uh, obviously Turkey still a NATO member, and Russia has been on the outs with the U.S. and NATO in the Western world, especially as you see what's happening with Ukraine. Um, and there's been more news about Ukraine that has recently come out about a, a fresh batch of, of violence, as Putin is claiming, as well as uh, a second potential military coup as a few uh, car bombs have gone off in Turkey just yesterday and today. So what we're seeing here is a, a fresh uh, a rejuvenation of an alliance being struck between Russia and Turkey. And Stan touched on this uh, yesterday, where he talked about um, you know Bible prophecy and how things seem to be lining up between uh, Turkey, 
Syria, Russia, China, against the West and against the forces of NATO, and how Erdogan is becoming um, the head of the Muslim Caliphate, as, as Stan pointed out yesterday. Uh, something definitely to watch um, in an, our time here in America as we are seeing a change in leadership. I would imagine that if they were going to do anything, this would be the optimum time to do it um, against NATO, against the U.S., when there is a election going on, an election cycle and an election where there's a transfer of power. Also, out of Europe and Germany, um, there is a problem as Deutsche Bank is teetering on the edge of a crisis. A top economist has warned that Germany's biggest bank is teetering on the edge of crisis, and the only way to protect it against future shocks is to nationalize it. And the you can find articles all across the internet on this. Um, they're talking about the U.S. Uh, or the European Central Banks revealed that Deutsche Bank would be left in a very bad position in the event of another financial crisis. And if you remember uh, many of the economists we've had on the show, um, they talked about one of the ways to watch for the, the true global depression is for Germany and their bank to collapse. That would be like the first domino, the first major domino to watch for, or one of the signs to, to keep your eye out for. And this is what they did. They did stress tests on the uh, Deutsche Bank. And they said, uh, putting it short for a long and serious crisis, there simply wouldn't be enough money. And Eurozone shares continue to hit their worst level in weeks, uh, sparking mass stock dumps, as well as backlash against Angela Merkel over her immigration policies in Germany. There were several several articles in the last few days talking about the immigration and housing crisis that is happening in Germany as German families are free, fleeing Germany and the government flying in illegal immigrants on top of what they were already letting in in the cover of night in closed-out airports between 1 and 5 a.m. It seems like that Europe is getting a facelift, facelift and as one of the uh, news articles titled earlier, The Silent Muslim Invasion of Europe is Completely Full-Blown and Underway. And we are seeing the effects of that in the housing market. Um, they can't even pay for the housing of these immigrants, let alone, as this article points out, having another uh, fluctuation as the stress tests were carried out on the bank. Any emergency in the too-big-to-fail banks will fail, they are saying something definitely to keep an eye on and here over here in america some new economic numbers have come out obama has collected over 19 close to 20 trillion dollars in taxes and incurred close to nine trillion dollars in debt and you can get this uh, from cns news uh, and other sources but they say in this article during the 90 months obama has been president from February of 09 to July 2016, the Treasury collected $19,966,000,000 plus dollars in tax revenues. And the, defi- uh, the amount of money that was put on the deficit was staggering also. Almost double that of George Bush 
close to $9 trillion in additional debt the federal government incurred during Obama's first 90 full months in office. That equals approximately $60,000 per American worker. And it goes on to say the Treasury only needs to pull in another $3.389 billion in taxes to reach the $20 trillion mark for the Obama presidency. Now, in terms of taxes and what George Bush did, he was up there too, but he was closer to $15 trillion in taxes, where Obama, in the last nine years, eight years, has taken that up another $5 trillion on a broken-down American recession economy. And there are articles out there that that are saying Americans are losing the value of their purchasing power as well as their wages. And when you take a look back from 30, 40 years ago from today, you see that not only were wages a big part of an American worker's salary, you also had benefits from dental to health benefits. Uh, You could see eye doctors. I mean, they used to give you for for regular you know jobs, you would make a take home salary or hourly pay, plus you would have a very uh, cheap option to buy benefits. The only benefit you can get now is Obamacare, and this is what makes this so much this these numbers so much worse. You have the continuation of inflation, where they do not count f- food or fuel. You have the Obamacare and insurance companies losing billions of dollars left and right, getting bailouts through in uh, the government as health costs here in this country have gone and just skyrocketed, and they say will continue to skyrocket as the insurance companies will continue to need bailouts. But what we've seen here, again, Obama has collected almost $20 trillion in taxes and $9 trillion in debt far exceeding that of any president and the debt has far exceeded all presidents before him combined same thing that George Bush did in his tenure in office as well as double the amount of uh, food stamps, number of people on food stamps, double the number of na- uh, the amount of national debt in a time when we were going through a major depression I said recession because that's what's put out there but it is a depression that we are and have seen. We got about a minute left before the break. When we come or back, just, <clears throat> at this point, you know, I, Joe, I think it'd be kind of funny to to go out on a kind of a, a laugh a little bit. Um, Hillary Clinton tweeted today um, about the first Muslim hijab, 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 uh, garbed uh, fencing. Yeah, uh, a f- fencer. You know. The, yeah. The, the, well, we got a lot to talk about about the Olympics. I mean, is is that is that hilarious or what? Okay. Yeah, he lost it. Uh, it's she. It was she. she. Yeah. She, okay. Ibrahim yeah. Her, her dangerous lifestyle. They say. Uh, I, I mean. Okay. So so. Uh, now now can, can get the mental picture, folks. The, the sword and hijab and well, you, you know the, the eyes and gear. And yeah. Sh- you got all metal around right? your face. Yeah. And your body. Good. Kind of like. So does that go over the metal or under the metal? I, I don't know, but I, yeah, I don't know. C- kind of like dressing a yak in lipstick. I don't. I yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, but it's pretty pretty to me. It's the, 
the mental picture of that is is kind of funny. And, but but yet you know Hillary Clinton had had to, had to congratulate her. She, of course she was she lost and and she doesn't she hates America by the way she's she oh, she's I'm afraid to live in America because I I, mean, I just I'm afraid because of all the stereotyping of Muslims. Well, get out of your hijab and she celebrated. Isn't it funny uh, that you know this Muslim woman is. Made to be. I mean, she's subjugated by her dress because of her religion and culture. Yeah, yet it's being celebrated by Hillary. What a crock! Right, right back. You know, to, to the George Bush, do you miss me yet crowd? Thanks for setting it up. Thanks for setting it up. <clears throat> thanks for setting up the, uh, eight years of Muslim bliss. Thanks Condoleezza Rice and Colin Powell and every other individual in that, whatever that was. And thank Too you. Or Bob now, Bob. also supporting and getting behind Hillary Clinton, yeah, Condoleezza Rice. Yeah, let's let you know what. Thanks, Jeb. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, the Bush family. And and now we've got uh, Clinton, the yak, with the sack, and Huma. You know, uh, and and thanks for standing up for Israel. Of course, you, you know, and you, you got American Muslims being congratulated for wearing a hijab or hijab and, and fencing in the Olympics. My gosh, what a what a what a celebration of of women's rights, isn't it? Talk about a celebration of women's rights. Hey, I I you know what? My culture, my religion is actually the culture that makes me dress in a hijab or one of these things. The men tell me to do that and they repress me. It, but yet the feminists, oh, they're so just loving about this. Oh, how great this is. And Hillary, yeah. Oh, isn't this great? Meanwhile, she says, I I I I'm afraid to be in America because oh my goodness, America stereotyping, you know. And, and then, of course, um, at the Olympics, speaking of that, Joe said that before the program, says, you know... Hey, there's an interesting yeah. article from the Drudge Report that goes back to the Washington Times, and the first sentence uh, sums it up nicely. What should be the Olympic Games, as they say, the 2016 Olympic Games has been billed as an opportunity to put politics aside in the spirit of international camaraderie but that's not necessarily how it's working out for Israeli athletes. No, no. Back in the bus. You're a Jew. Get back in the bus. In fact, you know what? I got an idea. Why don't we tattoo all the Jews? Oh, wait. <laughs> wait a second. Because, see, at least that's what Obama, I believe, would probably want to do in Huma Abedin and the Muslim Brotherhood. The Muslim Brotherhood uh, and CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, which, it, in my personal opinion, is nothing more than a front for the... Uh, again, this is just my professional investigative opinion and my personal opinion, Muslim Brotherhood and CARE uh, tied at the hip and nothing more than the uh, Muslim Mafia. Can I get sued for that? I don't know. Some Christian will probably sue me. Or some pseudo-Christian will probably sue me. Ha, gee, wouldn't that be a surprise? 
but there are there are clashes with Lebanese Saudi athletes uh, as Israeli athletes in Rio endure shocking hostility and taunting by Muslim nations. And the article sums it up nicely, folks. Again, you can go to Washington Times to read that, where it talks about how there is just this uh, hostile environment and anti-Israeli sediment among athletes, among uh, fans in Brazil in the Rio 2016 Olympics. They go on to say it's shocking but not surprising that the Lebanese and Saudi delegations obviously have the wrong idea about the Olympic Games. And they go on to state that instead of using the event to forget the animosity and promote peace between people, they have brought their brainwashed minds to Rio. Yeah. Of all the places that keep, uh, you know, you look at sports in America, the culture of sports, politics usually stays out of that. Where in, in Europe you have the soccer, football and soccer, where, you know, Rivals of other teams fight and kill each other in riots before and after games. Here you have, you know, American football where, uh, it's marred by constant fights and violence during the, I mean, you don't need to put politics into that kind of environment. The violence is already there. But for some reason at this Olympics, and it's not just the Olympics. I mean, it's an increased hostility towards Israel nationwide, worldwide. We've seen it not only in Middle Eastern countries, we've seen it here in America. We've seen it from our own administration. And it's only going to continue to get worse. That's right. <clears throat> I had a break in here because the lady at the studio dog just came I in. I see that. She came in and said hello. Making a rare she, cameo. Yeah, she they, knows when she's on camera. Oh, yeah, some, she does. She, she does. does. It's, come here, baby. Come here. Come here. It's come odd come to see her come do here. this because usually oh, when you're, we're doing now a show, you're camera shy. she won't come up. Come here. Come here. There you go. Tell everyone you, you want. To, you want to speak in the mic? You got to talk right in here, honey. Oh, it's okay. How does she know? Yeah, it's okay. Let's see, she's got a lot to say. She makes more sense than most of the communist progressives out there. That's Lady, the Studio Dog, our my buddy. She's my buddy and uh, love her a lot. So, but uh, again, she makes more sense than than most of the con. But but no, she's, she's got a thing. She's she she wants to <laughs> unplug the mic. She she actually uh, she chewed through paused. one of the camera cords uh, a few yeah. months back. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what got into her and why she does that, but <clears throat> yeah. Eric's had to tape down and throw rugs over and rewire the the studio just so she doesn't eat through the equipment. Yeah, yeah. She, <clears throat> she's uh, she, she likes the wires. I don't know. She's she's two years old and she's spoiled and she knows it. But anyway, yeah. So the world is changing. You've got you've got the the big talkers talking about how the world is changing. Very few are acknowledging the spiritual aspect of this. What's going on? We mm-hmm. have to we have to really uh, we have to acknowledge that spiritual uh, component here. You know. To his credit, I mean, Alex Jones has been uh, talking about it, and um, uh, I might be on Jones. Alex, I might be on next week. I'm not sure. I, I tune in for that. But but you know, no, before we forget, tomorrow, tomorrow, t- yes, Doctor Ted Brewer of HealthMasters.com, as well as host of uh, his own radio show right here on Global Star Radio Network, yeah. will be our guest for the whole show, and we're going to get into a number of issues with Ted. Yeah. As always, he's got a lot to say, a lot of information. Yeah. Does tons of research. 
And folks, you can listen to them as soon as our show's over, right here on Global Star Radio Network. Global Star Radio Network, the place to be. And of course, we are simulcast. And I know I didn't say this earlier. Simulcast on BTR and Global Star Radio Network. Global Star again, uh, key in the information war that we're fighting. Uh, the is, uh, and folks, have you taken advantage of Minuteman Stove? Uh, their offer, do that. American Survival Wholesale dot com, do that. Health Masters going to be talking about that tomorrow. Do that. Um, uh, all of that you need to do that. How about Casper Mattress? Have you done done that? Oh, support all of our advertisers and thanks for supporting us as well. This is coming from the heart. Um, oh, another announcement too. I had written down, folks who have submitted articles. Just hold on, we're getting to them. We had a yeah, there's a bunch of yeah. We just uh, had we just had a really, really, really horrendous, and I mean horrendous week. Um, things unexpected happening. If I told you, you just would not believe it. Well, I I, I want to. We haven't even really spoke about last night. We had um, probably one of the the heaviest thunderstorms we've seen in years come through here, and we've been. In a drought zone, I would say it's a more moderate drought than yeah. what was what Steve talked about in New York and in Eastern well, New York. It's not as bad as that. But what did we do? Right. We got about four, five inches of rain last night. I know I didn't get to sleep till three thirty, four o'clock. Seven inches, and, and <clears> you, you had lightning like you couldn't believe. It lightning believe. from the time I left the studio last night, yeah. and the last thunderbolt I remember jumped jolted me right out of bed. Like it blew up a transformer outside my window. And that was about three thirty, quarter to four in the morning, and uh, I fell asleep after that. But that's going to continue. I don't know if you saw the the forecast. There's a tropical depression that's moving that's moving in up here, and it's going to kind of. Uh, I'm hang tropically out. depressed. <laughs> I, I've got a tropical depression going through my you know my spirit. But uh, from plumbers to uh, you know vans that remove water from carpets, I saw those in the neighborhood today. And uh, yeah, let's not talk about that because again, my tropical depression will deepen. But uh, having said that, um, we, uh, folks, time's running out. And, and Greg Jackson had it right. Greg had it right. Look, we need to we need to make it right with our with with our with God. <clears throat> and um, but we need to stop. You know, I got an email from somebody to, the other day. Was it yesterday? I guess it was. Somebody who really it chastised me, chastised me for uh, a couple of years ago for an article I wrote about, you know, we must pick our sides. Just chastised me back a couple of years ago. What, they're on the other side or they don't no, want to pick sides? No, they said, no, you don't, you, no, God's, it's, no, we don't live in this world. We, we live in the spiritual and on and on and on and on and on. I said, all right, you know, that's okay. What, what, thanks. You know, have a good life. God bless you. And uh got an email, what, yesterday? I think it was. Or early this morning. I don't know. It's all come, it runs together. Saying, got to pick sides. And I thought to myself, you know, <laughs> I kind of wanted to respond back. <clears throat> but I didn't. I didn't. Because I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy. At least I try to tell that to my wife. Now she knows. Now, you know, I, but, but now is the time where we have to sing louder. We have to sing harder. We have to be civilly disobedient, like that band in uh, Mississippi who said, no, we're going to sing 
how great thou art, and that judge can stick it up his you know tailpipe. Um, we have to we have to we have to yes be spiritually minded, but we also have Joe. I think we have to engage to the extent that that is permissible and that we are able. We have to engage in the physical because don't go looking for trouble. Don't, don't go looking for trouble because it's going to find you. Yeah, soon enough it will. Trust me on this. And I'm very concerned. I'm looking at the landscape and this is kind of, I just want to talk to you about this because we haven't talked. Um, we have not talked about this. You and I. I, I don't, I, I, I got a feeling folks and looking at the vast studio audience here. <clears throat> Show of hands. How many people do you think, or how many people out here think that um, the same people who are nominated, Republican and Democrat, are going to be in in the November election? Or how many people think that we're going to have a regular election take place? When you say regular election, what do you mean by that? No. No, uh, voter you know, fraud, no, or gee whiz, uh, you know, no. yeah, or, 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 I mean, because I, I asked because I saw there was a uh, piece done on, on CBS this morning where they showed how easy it was to, to rig the electronic voting system. Of course. From uh, an individual being at the, uh, m- the machine itself to after the votes are electronically sent to other unsecure lines through other unsecure lines of communications how they can be manipulated kind of, kind of like the Hillary server exactly like uh, the Hillary yeah. server server and i mean i was surprised that it aired on cbs and there's still videos of it out there uh from cbs this morning you can see um a guy in 7 minutes i think shows how to break the barriers down through the software and and you know hack the electronic voting uh records do we need to go back to to individual ballots or yes yes I think uh, I'd, I'd be, in I'd, be fine. I'd be fine with that and you know that that and and how crazy is this the people out there who are saying well you know voter ID requiring people to to have ID when they vote that's oh racist. yeah you can't do that that's racist you can't do that no it's racist not to because okay so what you're saying if if you are black well, or Hispanic you're they're too stupid you can't have it both right? ways. I guess. Um, what, what do you mean? Well, you know, they ask for ID and a driver's license. To you have to get a license to drive. I mean, technically, if we go by the law and the Constitution, you don't need a license to drive. If we're going to talk you about the, the, you can get well, you know, oh, Supreme oh, Court oh, okay, rules okay. and the illegal. No, 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 no. no, no. But are you going to? Are you really going to go there? No, I'm just saying. Either I mean, you they, want, they you want, want it both ways. They want it both ways. They want no ID for people to vote so they can get all oh, the unsecured voters in or illegal voters in that they can mm-hmm. who can right. vote three, four, five times at four, five, ten different polling stations. But you can't drive unless you exactly. have a license, right? And, okay, I understand that. Okay. And, you know, and, you know, I, I thought you were going to, I thought you were going down another road. No, no, no. Okay. But, but I, look, there's, I just, I, I have a very, 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 very bad feeling about what's coming. Um, if we get through this election, I'm not wishing this. I, again, I, if we get through this election where you've got Donald Trump on one side and Hillary, Diane Rodham, the witch Clinton on the other side, and there's it, it's uneventful and 
you have a, a clear-cut winner. <sighs> okay. But I don't feel it's going to happen that way. I just don't, look, I don't know what's going to happen. I just don't feel it's going to happen that way. Look at how we're being programmed and how we're being pushed. Look at what they're doing. And, and look, uh, there's something wrong, obviously, with with uh, with the, with the yak. Okay, there's something now, wrong. Now, folks, with her. Who and there, and don't understand when when the what the yak is. Yeah, I'm not even sure where that came from. But well, 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 you get that picture handy. Well, here? Let's put up a, 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 the the obligatory picture of the yak. Now, here. I was ignorant. I did not even know the yak was an actual animal. To me, it looks like a buffalo. Okay, so, yeah. Well, for, for those for those um, for, for those. Uh, in Hattiesburg, a yak is an animal. Okay. Um, and, and in this case, do you have the ones with the with the words on it? Is that the one you put up? With the yeah, because we're not singing it. So Eric did this wonderful job. Eric did this wonderful job. You know that that song from I don't know what what the name of it is, but. You'll recognize the lyrics when you see the words on this picture if, if it if we if it comes up. But but you got you got Hillary on the one side, <clears throat> who is um, coughing. You know, it's got a lot of phlegm like me in my throat. And no, uh, she uh, no, has she, coughing she's fits. Got, got coughing that doesn't fits, right. even involve phlegm. She right. just can't continue to speak. And see, I I, I get like this when I when I when I. Don't and I don't get you know three hours of sleep. Okay. Anyway, so you got you got you, the perception that there's something physically wrong with her, which I believe is is, is real. Did you see the and latest? Then, then you got the protest the, interruption today. There was an uh, no, alleged no, animal no, rights activist. Crazy. The secret uh, Secret Service rushed on stage and supposedly. I mean, I saw the video. There was somebody that hopped a fence. You know, probably twenty feet away from her. So but unlike uh, or a little um, d- a divider at a at a rally, she was speaking at, d- d- and I was wondering d- d- if she... it wasn't. No, she didn't freeze up. It was almost like she expected it, and that's just my thoughts when I saw it. But all right, the yak is up, folks. The yak with the lyrics. Is <laughs> you got to go to YouTube, to our YouTube channel to see this. I, I don't know. Me up. I, I don't know why. I, I I don't know where this came from, but. You gotta read the lyrics too. You remember the song, but no, you know. So, so, but but folks, I mean, if, if you're not feeling, if if your spirit is not riled, if your if your feelings are not, I mean, if the spidey senses in you are not working overtime, then you're not paying attention. And I do suspect as well, based on everything I've seen and and the contacts I've had, and I just haven't had the, the opportunity to really spell everything out. You're going to have ISIS attacks here in this country. Um, you're going to have you're going to have them against uh, some very horrific attacks. Um, now they'll be described, I'm sure, as oh, mentally unstable cases or you know mental uh, mental cases. That's what you're going to have. You know, like like the machete attacks. Oh, well, sounds pretty. Sounds like mental instability to me. But that's going to increase. That's going to be on the rise. Um, Sharia, more Sharia, the push for Sharia coming in. So, but I just, I, I, I just think, you know, I, I really think that we, we should expect the unexpected. 
Absolutely. But anyway. There's an interesting story um, <clears throat> from about the Clinton Foundation. We've been talking about the Clinton Foundation, the Hillary Clinton emails. Well, the State Department has yep. shut down questions as, and on the Clinton Foundation emails, and it has also come out today that the Department of Justice had blocked a inquiry into the Clinton Foundation. It doesn't get much more intertwined and, and political, you know, jargoning and, and more favors and protection of the Clintons and their foundation than this. The newly released emails from Hillary Clinton's tenure as Secretary of State raises questions about the nature of the department's relationship with the Clinton Foundation, as Judicial Watch has pointed out today, as they released 296 pages of emails uh, that were from a WikiLeaks dump, 44 that Judicial Watch says were not previously handed over to the State Department by Clinton. Most were heavily redacted and raised questions about Clinton Foundation's influence on the State Department and its relations during her tenure. <clears throat> Some pundits and authors have went as far to say that she drags the State Department into her criminality with what she did and what she has said in these emails. And it they, they show former aide Cheryl Mills and Huma Abedin um, were tipped off into the email scandal before, or the email inquiry before it became a scandal. And You, you know, these people are lucky that, I, I mean, look, I'm not an attorney, and I'm certainly not a general, but I'd like, love to play Attorney General of the United <laughs> States for at least like a week. Well, okay. you, like most Christians, true Christians, would do better than... Just about anybody handpicked by any presidential candidate. Oh, I'm ever. not sure if I'd be described as a like a compassionate Christian when I yeah, was no, done. Yeah, no, you wouldn't. Okay, because we, 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 uh, Pennsylvania Avenue would be blocked off, not, not, not with the you know not with the uh, uh, concrete barriers, but with stocks. Okay, and, and that's just for a start. Now, you might think that's harsh, but but. How okay? You know, I just got to go back to this Hillary Yak thing. In on what? Help me out with this. Somebody help me out here. Omar Mateen, the 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 guy that killed forty nine homosexuals in Orlando. Yucking it up behind Hillary Clinton in Kissimmee. Yep. And there were actually now, how, there were actually people who were victims and were there at the Pulse nightclub who were invited by the Clinton campaign to be at the rally, the same rally where the shooter's father attended, who found out later some were very angry, some didn't care, but some did speak out about the event and how they felt. And especially those who were shocked and appalled, as Clinton, the Clinton well, campaign said that Mateen was uninvited. They didn't know he was there. And, okay, you know, four rows don't behind give me that Hillary crap. Clinton. Okay, I'm going to tell you right now. Right, if, if if that guy, I mean, assuming he wasn't photoshopped, then the no, they wasn't photoshopped. Then uh, Channel Five from Orlando. He was asked questions down, on his way out. Well, I mean, so, so that, okay, it's like I was there. They knew he was there, and, and and he, you know, he's like one of those wind up monkeys, you know, clapping. 
All right. And, and, and this guy ha- has a Pashtun, he speaks in Pashtun, has his own YouTube channel, mm-hmm. speaking in Pashtun and condemning the United States, condemning homosexuality. Lifting uh, up Sharia law. Sharia, the Sharia, the Sharia, not Sharia law, but, but yes, promoting Sharia, promoting Sharia. Islam. Uh, wow. On, on and on and on and on, okay? I, I, there's no words. I, I mean, think, have, have we for, well, there's just no words. So, um, I, I just, when I saw that, when you, cause you told me that. Yeah. I said, yeah, yeah, right. I, I laughed at him. I said, yeah, right. He said, no, look on drugs. Or whatever it was. And, and I was just awestruck and dumbstruck. It doesn't take me that long to, that, you know, it's not a far trip, but. There's, um, two headlines I want to hit before we run right. out of time. Uh, one, I'm gonna I just want to, I want you to be part of the second one here because I want to ask a question. The first one, right. though, where does your, Info come from mainstream media now literally using robots to write news as it has come out that the Rio Olympics, uh, well, they talk about, the article talks about the corporate ownership of 90% of the media outlets in the United States, uh, made the term mainstream journalist quite the oxymoron, but the Washington Post newest project eliminates journalists from the equation entirely and now are allowing robots to write n- the news that will be published on the site, starting with the Rio Olympics. Robots writing news. Is that like using spell check? Okay. Um, seriously. I, I didn't get into it too much about the uh, ins and outs and how it, how it works, but I heard that robots well, were writing screenplays and scripts. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm sure it would be better than Tom Hartman or, or uh, Melissa Berry. Do you see Bob Beckel say that yeah, Bob Beckel. they need to illegally assassinate Julia... Julian Assange. <sighs> this is where I'm going next because in the well, second. Wait, 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 wait. We need to arrest. We, we, Bob Beckel can't say that. We need. We, no, he's allowed. Oh, just like Hillary's allowed Assange to threaten Obama. A, uh, just like yeah, Biden said, yeah, you come from a Beretta. He'll have another thing coming. Yeah, never mind. We're okay with. Uh, okay, I guess. But I want to get your opinion on this before right. we run out of time. Assange released yeah. the uh, said that the inside leak. Uh, for the WikiLeaks DNC source was yes. Seth Rich. Yes. Assange suggests that slain Democratic Party staffer may have been leak source. Do you think he's just putting that out there? No. To no. hide the real source? No, I don't. Only because... Because I read a lot about look, look, Mr. Rich. And, and here, here's the reason. Okay, look... Forget forget about the, the statement, uh, folks. Look at the... First of all, look at the... Look at the circumstances surrounding the murder. Look at the the motive, means, and opportunity, the area. Okay, where he was murdered was not exactly the hood. All right. No. They what do they call okay. it? Affluent. I would say it was affluent. I don't even know what the definition okay. means. And he was shot. Um, you you get several at times the, in the back. The manner of death, right? Beaten. Um, it wasn't a robbery. Now. His parents came out and said, "There's dad." Yeah, you know, you can't politicize it. But, 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 folks, folks, this is the new normal with respect to the politics in this country. And I think if people, if people better realize that we are targets, we've got big targets on our back. And journalists, especially the journalists and the new media, or investigators, investigative journalists and the new media, have mm-hmm. big targets on their backs, especially and, the internet. Yes, there's yes. A, even a story about new. Uh, Democratic regulators target protections for online political speech 
and online news and media outlets. Yeah. Yeah. So I, again, um, after a couple hours of sleep, I'm, I want to get more into this rich homicide and there are connections to the other homicides, two other homicides of late, but this one in particular, people better pay attention to. Assange wouldn't toss this out there. Bernasaurus, even post-mortem Bernasaurus and other investigators, Bob, Maggie, you guys, Bob, I mean, look, you know, it, it, 99 percentile, uh, would he be protecting his source if he? Oh, in death, would, even in death, certainly. No, I mean, if he were to say that it was Mr. Rich and it wasn't, wouldn't he be protecting a living source? No. Or I, could he be? Uh, I oh, 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 I see what you're saying. It, could that be a tactic? No, because yes. it would be drawing undue attention to him. This is my belief based on my research on this, but okay. no, th- th- this, this is an, an extremely curious situation. And you want to know how far the Clinton cabal, criminal cabal ex- extends? There it is, folks. Tomorrow night, Ted Brower. You got, you got to, you got to listen to Ted. And tell a, tell a friend, tell a Monday, tell a, tell your people that, tell everybody to tune in. I mean, seriously. Tune in. Doggone it. Or you know what? I'm going to come over to your house and I'm going to turn on your computer and you're going to listen anyway. All right. No. God bless everyone. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Dr. Ted Brower. We'll be our guest tomorrow. Have a good night, everyone.